Welcome to the Kelly Patrick Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. In today's episode, I am joined by Samer. Samer is on to discuss the Israeli-Palestine conflict with me, which I think is a very fascinating topic. Of course, it's very polarizing. Of course, um, it's helpful that Samer is actually from uh, Jerusalem. Really appreciate him coming on the show today. If you're a fan of the Kelly Patrick Show, I ask that you please send me some health insurance referrals, specifically someone in Kentucky or Florida who is going on to Medicare soon would be my ideal referral. Someone who will be 65 soon. I'm an independent broker. I can write, you know, Anthem, Medicare Advantage, or Medicare Supplement, or Humana, or United Healthcare, a bunch of other companies also. So if you want to support me and support the, the episodes continuing to come out, please send me some referrals. The details for the sponsors of The Kelly Patrick Show are as follows. The title sponsor of the show is Louisville Combat Academy, located at 7908 Beulah Church Road, Louisville, Kentucky, 40228. They have a great MMA program, but also, even if you aren't planning on fighting in the cage, they have a great jiu-jitsu program for adults, female-friendly classes, and a great kids program also. Check out Louisville Combat Academy. Heidi Solars Coots. Heidi is a licensed clinical social worker and licensed clinical alcohol and drug counselor, specializing in treating anxiety, depression, trauma, and addiction with a mindful and holistic approach. Heidi is actually my mother, and I can attest she is a saint. Call her at 502-457-1823. Virtual and telephonic appointments are available anywhere in the United States. Veercast Digital Media. Veercast Digital Media at veercast.com. Matt McCarthy runs Veercast, and he is also the producer for The Kelly Patrick Show. They do video production, aerial drone photography, web design, and podcast production. Contact them at info at veercast.com to start your own video show or podcast. Also, my health insurance practice, Benefits Analysis Corporation. Based in Troy, Ohio, I work from my Louisville, Kentucky office. I can help anyone in the United States with their health insurance needs. I'm an independent broker for health insurance solutions for individuals, families, Medicare-eligible individuals, and also groups. I can also write life insurance, and long-term care. If you want to support the podcast, please send me some referrals. 502-386-0978. Welcome to the Kelly Patrick Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. In today's episode, I am joined by Samer. Samer, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Uh, Samer, could you introduce yourself to the Kelly Patrick Show audience? Yeah, my name is Samer. Um, I am a Muslim, Palestinian, American. Uh, my family immigrated here in 1986. Uh, I was born in Jerusalem. Uh, most of my relatives live there currently to this day. Uh, we've been back uh, a few times since, so I've got first-hand and second-hand experience for what's going on over there. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm a dad and I work as an engineer, so okay, that's me. Um, through a mutual friend of ours, I, uh, I've been looking for a, a Palestinian Maybe not even a Palestinian. I've been looking for someone who's Muslim who wants to kind of re- represent that side of this conflict for the sake of an episode. 
and it hasn't been easy. So I appreciate you taking the time to discuss these topics with me, which are admittedly relatively new to me. My pleasure. Um, a lot of different fascinating directions this can go. I am a white guy who's 40 years old, raised by a Republican white father. My mother leaned a little bit more to the left, always. Uh, but I always voted Republican. And politically, I didn't really pay that close of attention, honestly, to a lot of things, especially related to the war machine until, honestly, for me, 2019 or then even COVID, where I was like, what the hell's going on? And just crazy. So now I'm more of an anarcho-libertarian. Okay. Some people would roll their eyes at, you know, that or whatever, but that's who I am. Um, and that has prompted me to realize that co the COVID stuff, you know, that's a whole different topic, of course, but that opened my eyes to learn about the, the um, consistent with like Murray Rothbard and uh, Anatomy of the State, which is a, uh, an essay he wrote describing how basically governments are evil. So that premise has brought me to the point where I'm like, oh, shit. Why are our tax dollars paying for all these wars? What's going on? Oh, we're killing people? Hmm. I didn't know that. Right? Like, how many people know how many countries were drone striking at all times? Yeah, most people, I don't think, pay attention. Or they're care. Just, yeah, or care. Yeah, they're just going about their daily business. But if you say three, three soldiers died. Yeah. Three American soldiers. It's like yeah. the Vietnam thing. My wife and I watched a, a special on Vietnam recently. And that's how it was during that. They're like, oh, 75,000 Vietnamese died. And then... 21 American soldiers. Everybody's like, <gasps> right, right. And I'm like, People had to rewind it. I'm like, yeah. did they just say 75,000 Vietnamese yeah. died on both sides? And then they only cared about the 21 American right. soldiers. And like right. that, my wife's from Cuba. So maybe we have a different perspective talking about it, about people from different countries and like, well, it seems like they kind of brushed over that part. Yeah. So it's not unique to the Palestine thing. No, it's not. People identify with their own or what they recognize is, is familiar to them. And the foreign just becomes a number. So that, that kind of goes into your argument. I mean, I don't think governments are inherently evil. What's an example of one that is not? What is not? Currently? What is an example of a government that is not inherently evil? Well, again, inherently evil means that... I'm sorry, currently is not evil. Yeah. No, no, I get it. But the, uh, the whole term inherently evil I, means I, I, that I, it was designed to be evil or it's, it's you that, know... That is, so what's right? an example? I should remove that. What's an example of a current government that you don't think is evil? If they're not inherently evil, is there a present day or a past I don't example think, of one that you don't think has I don't, committed evil? I don't. Well, committed evil and inherently evil to me are completely different. Really? I don't think any government is inherently evil. Okay. Even Israel, even though I don't like them and I do think they do a lot of evil things. Um, I don't know that it's inherently evil, meaning that they, they in deep down in themselves think that they're doing evil things or their intent is to do evil. Okay, but that's not what my statement meant. And, okay. and, and what I meant by inherently evil yeah. is that it's um, the whole premise of ruling over others at all is inherently evil. What's a government? Well, what is a government? Government is a collection of people's will or the people who live in that's a place. That's what they say. That's what it's supposed to and be, And that's right? bullshit in my opinion. Democracy, okay. like, do I vote for every single... No. I well, vote Republican because my dad told me to and that makes sense and had I been raised Democrat, I would vote Democrat. And So I guess what I'm saying is mm -hmm. the collective will of the group and stuff, I, to me that just starts to sound over time like a bunch of bullshit. Well, over time maybe it becomes that, right? But initially, the when it starts, everything starts pure and becomes corrupt over time. Of course they say it does. Okay. Now I'm not saying that they the people who created it, Thomas Jefferson or mm -hmm. 
who you know the founders of our country mm-hmm. they George Washington like created term limits I'm guessing when he created term limits for the president he wasn't thinking this is really going to screw the people of America over mm-hmm. so I'm not saying everyone involved but I do think it appears like a minarcho uh, so not quite anarcho anarchism not quite no government but in theory, a small United States government, that's why we thrive, right? Small, limited government, right? That's the theory. Well, that's, that's what some people say, yeah. But we're the biggest government in the history of the world, by far. And we keep growing and doing evil things, and people are glossing over all the evils of everything that we're doing. And, and I just I, I, that's where I'm at right now. I know we're going to take sure. this into some different directions. Yeah, sure. I get it. But, but I have come to that point where I'm thinking... Um, it well, appears- I just, I, I, I see where you're going with it. I, I see it as people do evil things. Fair. When you, when you, when you label it as government is evil, well, the government is made up of people mm-hmm. and there are people in certain places, positions of power mm-hmm. that may do evil things, Sure. but you can't, to me, you can't just say government because that just makes it a shadow. What is, what about the government is because evil? What's government- making it evil? Who is controlling it to make, to take it in that direction? Certain people you have to be held responsible that that are pushing things in that direction. When you just when you just make it kind of a gray, you know, this entity that we don't know what it is and we can't recognize it, then you can never resolve the problem, right? Because you can't put your finger on it. You're just saying the fact that a government exists, that's evil. Well, what can you do about it? That's fair. So really when I say that, what I'm saying is in theory, that's where I'm coming from. Yeah. Someone says, what about the roads? We wouldn't have roads if we didn't have a government. I'm like, okay, I think we could figure that out if we had to. So I'm not giving you that one. Yeah. That's philosophically where I'm coming from. Okay. Not saying that there's a good example of an anarcho-capitalist society. I guess Javier Malay's trying that right now. That'll be interesting. Have you followed him at all? No, I don't. No, okay. He's the Argentini anarcho-capitalist who's uh, trying to run that country. Okay. Samer. Yes. If someone's listening and they're unfamiliar with the Israel-Palestine conflict, can you give me a summary of it? Yeah, so um, it's actually not a complicated issue that everybody wants to make it out to be, okay? Um, Really good summary is prior to 1948, there was no such thing as the state of Israel. There hasn't been a state of Israel for over 2,000 years, okay? Uh, the, um, The Jewish people had, you know, Judea, Samaria, all the different capitals that were over the years that different peoples and empires had fought them and had put them into diaspora. And and they had integrated into some communities and then they had basically uh, gone into exile over the years. You know, when, you know, when they say when Jesus Christ, right, when, when he was around, they weren't, in, it wasn't Israel at the time. It was, it was ruled by the Romans. It was known as Palestine, even back then. Okay, and then when the second temple was destroyed, was that 90 AD? And then they and and then they got moved all over the place. And basically, at that time, after uh, the death of or, or disappearance, we don't say the death because Muslims don't believe that Christ ever died. But uh, after Christ uh, was taken out of the picture, then the the Romans, which were the Christians at the time, pushed the pushed the remaining uh, Jewish people out. Okay, it was only until the Muslims came back and took Jerusalem that they forced the local population to bring the Jew- Jewish people back to Jerusalem. You know, Omar ibn al-Khattab, and I'm making this a little bit more complicated than I intended to. That's okay. He is the second caliph of Islam. He was one of the disciples of the prophet, okay? He's the one who conquered Jerusalem, okay? When, he, when I say conquered, he basically marched his armies there. There was no conflict. They basically opened the gates. And 
when he found out that there was, he, he went to the Temple Mount, and he found that they had made it a huge garbage dump. This was the, the, the Christians that had ruled it at the time, basically because they were, they were basically insulting anything that had to do with the Jewish people, okay? And so he went and started cleaning it up with his hands. He said, where are all the Jews? And, he, and they said, well, well, there aren't any. We, we got rid of them all. We don't, we don't like them. And then so he had talked to Abdullah ibn Salam, which was a recent Muslim uh, Jewish convert to Islam, and he said, bring me 80 Jewish families to settle in Jerusalem. And that was one of the conditions for them to open up the city, okay? So he brought back, the Muslims brought Jews back to, <laughs> to Jerusalem. And they had lived there with, within Islam for centuries. The Muslims were actually protecting them for a long time. Muslim Spain was the height of the Jewish empire. You talk, to, you talk or, or Jewish um, prosperity. If you talk to any Jewish person that, that's educated, they'll tell you that's the highest uh, part of the Enlightenment area for the Jewish people. They, they held the highest uh, places in government. They held, uh, you know, they had, they, they were very prosperous. You know, they, they, they were very secure. Okay, so the Crusades came. The Crusades, which, and the Crusades killed Christians, Muslims, and Jews. They didn't discriminate. They I'm them. a Catholic, so obviously I'm going to be on that side. Sure, no, I'm just kidding. No, no, no <laughs> worries, no worries. I'm just, I'm just saying facts. You tell me if I'm, if I'm getting any, anything wrong. So they didn't discriminate. They, they, they wanted to take, you know, the holy cities, and and when they went in there, they butchered everybody. Okay, so the Muslims came back and they took it. They took the cities. <coughs> they allowed everybody in there. Muslims, Christians, and Jews. And they, they've lived there since there. Okay, so the last Islamic empire that ruled over, over that area, Middle East and Palestine, was the Ottoman Empire. So those were the Turks, okay? And <coughs> towards the end of the Ottoman Empire, the Arabs, the local Arabs at the time that lived in the Middle East, they were getting antsy and they wanted independence from, from the Ottomans, okay? The British came along and, you know, they, they were like, uh. We, they want an excuse to dissolve the last Islamic empire. They, they went, talked with the Arabs, and they're like, and this was in Arabia at the time, there was no Saudi Arabia, right? And they convinced them to up, uprise against the, uh, against the Turks, okay? So they said, okay, well, what do you want? And they basically said, and these are, these, this is documented in the McMahon-Hussein papers. If you want to Google that, uh, you can see the agreements between the uh, Arab leaders at the time and, and the British. They said, okay, well, we want an independent Arab state in all the lands that we live on. So that included Palestine or whatever. They wanted one state, not all these, you know, Iraq, Syria, uh, uh, you know, Saudi Arabia, all this stuff at the time. So <coughs> what happened was World War I came along. <coughs> um, the Ottoman Empire was on the wrong side, quote, okay. The uh, Arabs revolted, and they basically helped the Ottoman Empire collapse. So at that time, uh, around 1880 or so, that's when Zionism started as a movement. Uh, a few people got together, and mostly it was a secular movement, not even uh, not even a religious movement. <clears throat> it was it was headed by you know Jewish people, but ethnically Jewish. They weren't they didn't consider themselves. And I'm not saying that they all were not you know religious, but I'm saying that that was the, the central. Some groups then were kind of like socialists. Yes, yes, agree. And that's normally <coughs> not consistent with religion. Yes, sure. And, but so the, this group had pull in a lot of different places of power, including Great Britain, right? So at that time, there was the population of Palestine, Jewish-wise, is 3%. You look it up anywhere. Between uh, about 1880, 1890, the population of Jews in Palestine, which if you look on a map of Israel, and you look where Israel is right now, 
the population of Jews in that state is 3%. The, 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 the rest of the people on that land were Arab people, okay, which are called Palestinians today, right? And they owned 99% of the land, right? So they had lived peacefully with, with the Jewish population for these hundreds of years under the Islamic empires, right? And, these, and, the, and this, these empires shifted and switched hands multiple times, but never had a problem with, with the Jews and the Arabs at the time, right? So Britain comes along, and even before Britain came along, but even under the Turks, when Zionism started, that, that, that uh, movement wanted to get... That movement started because they, they felt that they were threatened. The Jewish people felt threatened by in European lands because most of the immigration were from Eastern Europe, Russia, Poland, Lithuania, all these, uh, all these countries. They felt like they were being oppressed by these people. So they started immigrating away from these countries and they wanted a central location to go to and this was a convenient place to go because they didn't have any problems at that time in that land. So they started mass immigration at the time. You so know, the Jews, who, the 3% Jews who live there currently were like, hey, this isn't a bad place. No, we're no, doing no. okay here. The, yeah, the three percent Jews. And they're like, oh there, shit, let's they, bring everybody there. They considered themselves Palestinians. I see, I see. They called themselves Palestinians, Palestinian Jews. Okay, okay. they lived there. The, the Arabs were their neighbors, no problem. Okay, these these people from Eastern Europe came in in masses, masses. I'm talking about like, okay, so between 1890 to like 1920, the population went from three percent Jews to like 12 percent Jews. Mm, lots by immigration. Can you imagine? Like it was an evangelical growth. It was. It was huge. It was. It was exploded, right? And still, even despite that immigration, yeah, there. I'm sure there was a little bit of tension there with the local population, seeing that many people grow. But they really didn't have a problem yet. Okay, they didn't have a problem until the Ottoman Empire collapsed, and the British Empire came in, and they had a mandate over Palestine at the time. Basically, they occupied Palestine. So. And on the front end, they had an agreement with the Arabs that they would give them an independent state, basically on all the lands that they lived under. On the back end, <clears throat> them and France basically got together and said, hey, they, they came up with a secret agreement amongst themselves. It's called the Sykes-Picot Agreement. If you want to Google that, look it up. Okay, They basically said, hey, we're just going to secretly divide up the Middle East amongst ourselves in our spheres of influence, right? So France gets some areas, Britain gets some areas, and they drew arbitrary lines and made these countries. All these countries that you see today, Iraq, Lebanon, Syria, all these, these were arbitrary lines drawn in the sand by the British and the French, okay? So Britain had control of Palestine. So they, they controlled Palestine from 1920 to 1948, okay? So there, at, and around that time again, there, there was that Zionism came in and they convinced the British basically to, uh, to create a Jewish homeland in Palestine. So around, I want to say, 1920 or so, the Balfour Declaration came. Lord Balfour in, in, in Britain said, basically, we want to partition Palestine into two halves, half for the Jews and half for the, uh, the, the Arabs, right? So how would you feel if you live on all of the land and all of a sudden you have to move from half of it. I think it ended up being 56-44 or something. So, uh, so it was I, even the, the... If you look at the map, and I know nobody can see this map, but if you just... You know, all you have to do is Google UN Partition Plan 1947. You know, you, you go from... You go from... You I'm going to keep those sheets. Can yeah, I, can you, can, I keep you can keep it. You can keep it. So this is 1946 Palestine, right? The, the white here. If you look at... Um, if you want to Google this, it'll be like... Uh, 
uh, shrinking Palestine or degradation of Palestine. So you can kind of see what we're looking at. It's like four maps, right? One says 1946. One says UN plan 1947. One says 1949 to 1967, and the other one says 2012, okay? So after 67, they really... Yeah. And so now, as of today, Palestine doesn't really exist. Well, it hadn't existed since, you know, 48, whenever uh, the um, Israelis... But on a globe, like in a map and stuff, prior to 67, it wouldn't have showed up either? No, it wouldn't have. Okay, no, okay, no, no. okay. I mean, no, not, not technically, no, because... So the, the Palestinians actually lived there. It was their state. But it went from governance of the Ottoman Empire to governance of the British Empire. Hmm. They weren't in control completely, right? It was kind of a you know we we've lived here for centuries and and, and all this or you know however however long, but we we don't govern our own state. So if like if it, if the government of the United States collapsed tomorrow, you still live in Kentucky. This is still your home. But somebody else may may govern it, or may may tell you how it's going to go, or, or control it, or whatever. So this is this difficult was, for me to wrap my head around. Yeah, or so my parents, or exactly, anything. So exactly. I mean, that's pretty far off. So but. this is the situation of the Palestinians, unfortunately, right? So they went from one situation to an to an agreement that wasn't upheld by a foreign entity, which was Great Britain at the time, right? To Great Britain being in control of their society, which they were supposed to transition to them. They never did. In, ca- in, in fact, they went behind closed doors, made other agreements. And so there we go. In 1920, Balfour Declaration, they said they're going to they're gonna split up Palestine into two halves. Palestinians didn't like it. So there, was upri- there were riots, basically. There were uprisings, okay? But they, they made the immigration of Jewish people from all sorts of places in the world, basically mostly Eastern Europe still, but there were some from the Middle East, and uh, there were from... <clears throat> You know, different areas. They made it. They made the uh, immigration a lot more liberal. So, from 1920 to 1928, they went from like 12 percent population to 18 percent population, right? Um, so this is growing and growing and growing. Meanwhile, the Zionist movement in Great Britain they started um, they started making their own militant groups in Palestine at the time, which was under the British mandate. They were, and they were, and this militant groups, you can call them terrorists today because that's what the British called them. No, no, only Muslims. <laughs> right? We exactly. Only, nope. Exactly. You can't call, unless they're Muslims, you can't call them terrorists. Exactly, exactly. So there were three main groups, right, uh, that, that came over that time. They were called the, the Haganah, the Ergun, and the Stern Gang, if that sounds like a, a mafia type, you know, label to you or not. But they, at first, uh, the main one, the Haganah, was in response to you know the riot, the the riots. They wanted to protect Jewish settlements. Again, we have a problem with Jewish settlements to this day, right? So these people would come in, they would squat on some land. Sometimes they would buy the land, but sometimes they would squat on the land. They say, okay, it's ours now. This is Israel. You can't. You, we we're not going to trade with you. We're not going to participate in you know whatever whatever you had before. You know you don't have it anymore. And if you try to you know if you try to take it back, then we have our militants, and we're going to fight. We're going to fight for it. So, um, some of my understanding, when listening to and looking at the different parts of this, would be that um, someone arguing the other side of this may say, mm-hmm. "Well, there's these people living on this land, but I mean, they didn't even have fucking paperwork. I mean, they didn't really own it." Is that kind of the argument? Like, then these business-oriented people came along, and they're like, "Hey." 
is this your land? And they're like, yeah, I've lived here. My father, my everybody's lived here. This is ours. And they're like, you don't have the proper documentation, so no, it's not. Well, yeah, I mean. Is that of, kind of, you think? I mean, I don't know. I mean, think of Maybe it as. Maybe a justification. Well, think of it as you have territory. Like, okay, we have land ownership in the United States, right? You may have somebody who owns like acres and acres and acres and acres. Like, is he sitting on every acre of land? Mm. No. Let's just say someone moves in and squat, you know, squats in, into a territory. Right now we have like laws called squatters rights. If you don't notice for so long, I guess you can, someone can get it or keep it. I don't know how that goes. In some countries I've heard that those are real extreme. You're but, like, oh, you lost yeah. your 30 acres. Yeah. But in some places, like if someone comes into your home, if you shoot them, is it illegal? I'm not saying, I'm not saying I'm not a proponent for attacking people or whatever, but I'm saying you're coming in from somewhere else. Sure. You're saying, hey, I don't see anybody in this spot. Even if, if, even if you didn't kick them out physically, mm-hmm. I don't see anybody here. I'm going to live here. This is my house now. Well, <laughs> somebody owns that. Someone's claimed that, you know. So what do you have? You end up with might equals right, right? And this is what they did. They, they decided the might equals right. They, they formed their own militant groups. I'm talking about the, the Zionists, the, the Jewish people at the time that lived there. And I'm not talking about the, um, um, the original ones, that, the original Jewish people that lived with the Palestinians. It's, this, these are not the people making the problem. Some of them actually were anti-Zionists. They, they, yes, they started that off that exist. way. They absolutely did. Yes, absolutely. They, they didn't have this mentality. These were people who came from immigrants welcomed in the country originally, okay, that turned on the people, basically, okay? So anyway, so, so we have these groups. These groups were not just attacking Palestinians uh, and taking their property, but they were also attacking the British, okay? They were assassinating British figures that, uh, you know, that, that, that didn't agree with them. Um, they were attacking uh, railways, boats that were deporting illegal uh, Israeli immigrants, basically, or Jewish immigrants to Palestine. Because, and at some point, the, uh, the uprisings were getting so bad that the British tried to limit immigration. But, uh, but yeah, the, but then the, basically the terrorist activities or the militant activities of the, the Zionists kind of went on the rise there. So, but despite everything, between 1928 and 1947, you went from an 18% population of Jewish people in Palestine to a 33% population, all through immigration, okay? And a lot of that, towards the end, was illegal immigration, okay? Because even the British at that point had stopped, you know, had, had basically slowed down the, the spigot, basically, of, of allowing uh, people to immigrate into Palestine. But they would immigrate illegally, and then those groups that I told you about would, would bomb any kind of transportation device used to deport people who came into the country illegally. Hmm. Okay, by, by, 19, you know, by the end of that time, 19, late 1940s, British has said, well, we had enough because these groups were tar- targeting the British and they're like, well, we don't want to deal with it anymore. So they left or they were, they were getting ready to leave. And at that point, the UN, which it's existed at the time, arbitrarily decided to take a vote and the vote was to partition Palestine. And, and it wasn't a binding vote, but the vote was they voted to, do, to partition Palestine into two halves, half for the, the, the Palestinians, half for the Israelis. And that, and in 1947, the Zionists at the time, who had all these big militant groups or whatever in place, they took that as a cue and they declared independence of Israel in 1948. Okay? And within 11 minutes, the, Harry Truman in the United States recognized Israel. 
what's the connection? I mean, you've got these people with influence in Great Britain. You've got the people with influence in America, you know, and, and, all, the, uh, and all the major powers. And then you have these uh, unsuspecting, you know, local uh, people who live there, you know, who, who came off of one empire to another that just became a victim to, to this situation, right? Who, who haven't, who really um, didn't instigate anything, didn't fight anything. They were just basically there. And then all of a sudden, this was imposed on them, basically, uh, both foreign and domestic, right? So over the years, so ever, after 1948, they, these groups got, these um, Zionist groups got more extreme. They depopulated, massacred, raped, pillaged um, over 400 villages right there in in 1949-ish time period, okay? Um, there's a very famous documentary. It's called Tantura, T-A-N-T-U-R-A, okay? And it documents from, from, these, from these Israeli soldiers' perspective. Oh, I think I've seen clips of this oh, yeah. where they talk about some of the bad shit. They where did. they did all these things where they lined people up and shot them, you know, where they abused these old people. guys admitting years later oh, what yeah, they did. Oh, yeah, they right? admitted all that. of this stuff. They depopulated the, the, you know, the Palestinians, they pushed them out to the West Bank and the Gaza and Lebanon and Syria and all these different places that the Palestinians got pushed to were from these original villages, okay? And they, they a lot of them fled, a lot of them were killed, you know? It, and this, is, this, this process has been repeated over and over again, okay? Because inherently the whole Zionist agenda is to create a Jewish homeland. It is a, an ethnocentrically racist ideology to begin with. It's not, they're not coming here with the idea of, hey, let's live in peace with whoever's there and let's make a joint government, okay? Because I think if they would have said that, that, that would have, or if that would have been their intent, we wouldn't have a conflict today. Like, like you could argue the United States is maybe a country, Christian country kind of, right? Well, but, you, no, but, I don't really think so, but, but yeah, go ahead. Even if that was what it was founded on. Sure. It at least is like, okay, but it's not like you have to be that. Yes, exactly. Okay, we want everybody to come in peacefully, and yes. if, if that's what the Zionists had done, yes. is like, we're going to buy this legitimately as let's, much as we can. Let's well, coexist. You know, I think initially they would have had a problem regardless, because the, I, the initial idea of, you know, you coming and telling me what to do with my land is, is going to be a hard swallow for anybody. Well, what I right? mean is is if they had vol um, libertarian yeah. uh, uh, private property rights sure. type train of thought had they come in and said hey what's for sale what's the price yeah okay oh that's a little steep sorry i'm not buying that but i will buy this and then yeah. so over time they had bought a, a large per, it went from 18 percent to 32 percent and they had coexisted like in michigan there's a bunch of muslims yeah. they kind of volunteer it's an example well, they voluntarily went there they per, i don't think they're stealing the land they're not kicking people off the land well and now you can live there if you're catholic or yes, whatever yes, yes, yes. But, but i think it's not more about buying land it's more about uh, not depriving somebody who's legitimately living there, right, of, of the rights to participate and have equal rights, right? Okay, the fact it, that it is a... It's an, yes, if you are not Jewish, right? If you are not Jewish, you are, you ha you're a second-class citizen. How many, or if, how many even countries... Even if you are a citizen, like, you, you, you don't basically have a right to do anything, basically. Would you say it's an apartheid state? Oh, definitely. Definitely an apartheid state. But, I mean, it's on multiple levels, right? Because there's, a, there's multiple classifications of Palestinians as, as far as Israel is, exists, right? There are, uh, you know, uh, permanent Jerusalem residents. They have, they have a, a certain classification. There are West Bank and Gaza Strip Palestinians. They have the lowest classification. Then there are Israeli Arabs. They have the highest classification, but they're still discriminated against, 
right? So th- those are all Palestinians, right? And and Israel really only counts the ones that are quote Arab uh, Israelis is what they call them, uh, which basically took citizenship around 1948. These are the few people who, uh, you know, who opted for that instead of being angry and uh, you know wanted you know to keep their own land or whatnot. You were born in Jerusalem. I was. You have family there now. Yes. What kind of rights do they have? Yeah, so they're, cons- well, half of them are, or some of them are basically, they have Israeli citizenships, and some of them are considered permanent residents. So permanent residents, permanent Jerusalem residents, they have basically better benefits than West Bank Palestinians in terms of they can move around easier, they, because basically uh, Israel is a military state. There are military checkpoints between every city. There are Jewish-only roads Palestinians and Israelis have different color license plates and, and ID cards so that they can be identified and they can be discriminated against. But your family way. there is Palestinian. They're Palestinian. They're native to the area, but yeah. they are... They own land. They're, they na- they're native to the area, right? But so what happens is they... Really, the biggest benefit to them is, is movement they, they, because of where they live. They, they have more rights to move around between cities, uh, more freedom to, okay? But otherwise... So, to, to build on their own property is extremely difficult because uh, Israel, is try- Israel is trying to push all the Palestinians out and take away their land and their property. So if you have property and you're Jewish, right, they'll give you a permit to build on it. Easy. No problem. If you're Palestinian, which most of the land, you know, even if you're uh, not well off, right, you still own land because you've owned the land there for generations. But they'll slowly take it from you. They'll say, oh, we need to build roads on it. We need to do this. We need to, you know, take away some. To, they demolish they demolish houses all the time for random reasons, Where? whether it's punitive or not punitive. Where do they do that? They do it in Jerusalem. They do it a lot in the West Bank. Uh, they've done it in Gaza. They do in any Arab village. I mean, you've, uh, recently that's, that's happened. They've, it's been all over the news. Yeah. House stealings and demolitions where settlers even come in from the U.S., basically, and just come into a Palestinian house in East Jerusalem— and say, okay, you don't live here anymore. And, and they push the residents out. Palestinians have nowhere to go. They can't, like, there's no government or anybody that they can appeal to, right? The government that controls the place is Israel. And what do they do when the settlers come in and they kick them out of the house? Nothing. Nothing. So a settler, elaborate. We hear yeah. mostly about the settlers with, uh, I think, the West Bank right now. They're everywhere. They're not just the West Bank. What's a settler? A settler is an Israeli Jewish person who is willing to forego the luxuries of life to squat on somebody else's land. So that, so that once they do that, the, 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 U, the Israeli government basically foregoes that piece of land for, for any, or foregoes negotiation over that piece of land for any future negotiation of a Palestinian or Israeli state. So basically they say, okay, well, we have a Jewish person that sits here now and he lives here now. We're not, we're, we can't negotiate over that for a future Palestinian state. So these people move in, they're willing to be uncomfortable for a little bit, and they'll start with tents, and then the government will help them, will give them money, and they'll allow them to start building buildings and compounds, and they'll expand the territory. It'll start being on, it'll start as something small on, on the Palestinians' property, even in their house it could be, right? And then it'll, as the longer they sit, the bigger they'll expand it. So that, that, that's, that's what a settler Did is. Did they pay for the land? Did who? Did the settler? What do did they? Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. Right. Sometimes you don't have an option to pay for your. But life. someone may have been living there before, and you're like, "Hey, I, I've got this. This is my visa. These are my legal rights. Get out of my. This is now mine." 
well, it, it's hard to say. Sometimes, sometimes Palestinians do sell their property because they have to. They do. And, that, and, and it happens, right? And, and it, happens, it happens quite a bit. And, and actually, the Israelis, they have big groups, basically, with a lot of money that are just trying to buy up land. I mean, even in, in Jerusalem. You know, you ever remember learning in school the, the Muslim quarter, the Jewish quarter, the Armenian quarter, right? They're buying up Muslim quarter lands, or they're trying to. And if they can't buy it because the person is squatting, they'll find another way. They'll find a legal way or a legal loophole to push them out, right? So this is not all legitimate, you know, ways of, of, of obtaining uh, property, right? So, uh, and, and who's, in, who's in control to tell them that they can do otherwise? It's just the Israeli government. Do you think that they're going to, you know, uh, suppress their own people when, when, they're do, when they're committing something that's in the interest of their government? No, they're not. Because at the end of the day, they win. You know, if you go back to the map that, that I showed you from the beginning, like uh, diminishing Palestine, you'll see like 2012, like you went to even the West Bank or what they're calling the West Bank, right? It's, it's, not, con it's not continuous land. It's like pockets now. They, they squatted on all these olive groves and, and fields and, and whatnot. This is not purchased even. This, is, this West Bank is the best uh, example of set, settlers just grabbing, land grab, basically. I'm sitting on this piece of land right now because there's nobody sitting here right now. I don't care who owns it or who has paperwork or who has whatever. And there's nobody who's stopping them. Nobody. You know, there's been countless UN resolutions, Right that uh, against Israel for war crimes, all sorts of crimes that they, they've done against the Palestinian people. Who stopped, who stopped them from doing anything? The United States of America. We, we've, we've exercised 82 vetoes in total, 46 to protect Israel from the UN resolutions. I mean, over half. 46, oh, wow. Right, over half just to stop, just to block resolutions against Israel. I think I heard the United States just blocked up a peace treaty between, I think it was Yemen and Saudi Arabia. United States was like, no, we can't have that. Yeah, I mean, um, I but don't know. I there's think, a lot I think of stuff that, that goes into that, too, because there's money still that they're paying Saudi Arabia off, and that's, that's a whole different can That's of a different issue. I don't want to get into that. Fair, fair. <laughs> um, okay, so we had, as far as the timeline goes, we had talked about up into 1947, 1948. Yeah. Fill in the gap for me between 1948 and 1967, okay. if you could. So same stuff going on, basically. The, at that time, between 48 and 67, the West Bank was basically uh, under uh, Jordanian control. It wasn't technically, um, you know, it wasn't uh, technically under Israeli control. And Gaza was under Egyptian control, okay? Um, and 67 was the preemptive strike by the Israelis where they, it was called the Six-Day War. Um, up until then, they were doing the same stuff, basically, to Palestinians. You know, that I told you about the massacres and, and, and pushing Palestinians to the West Bank and Gaza, which was outside of what they considered, you know, UN Israel at the time. With their, their intent is always to expand further beyond that. Okay, and That's why the people who live in Gaza now, if you look it up, yeah. there's like 2.1 million or something. Yeah, but, but, but they're, they're not indigenous. All, yeah, exactly. They're yes. all displaced one of my exactly. buddies we were looking at that and he's like i don't what does that even mean yeah so even if they were born there yeah their grandparent or their mom or yeah. their dad were kicked out and had they lived in a previously different part of yeah. that area of the the world and they yeah. had been moved there against yeah their will. a different part of you know israel or or what was known as palestine at the time and they were moved out of there like haifa yaffa all these big cities you know some even from jerusalem or or, or whatnot and they were forced into those areas you know some people say oh 
it's the demographics they're having too many kids it's yeah they're having more kids but they're not having that many more kids like what do you think of that as an argument they're like well if if israel's if israel's really doing a genocide they're not doing a good job because look the population of Gaza has grown right. exponentially. What do you think of that? All right. That's, that's, a, fun, Sam, that's a funny argument. Because Sam, what are the, I could go on and on. This is good. Yeah. What are the worst arguments the pro-Israel side brings to the table? The human shields one, to yeah. me. Human shield. The only shield people using human bad. shields are Israel. The only people using human shields are Israel. The, They're using Palestinians as human shields. They literally put them all out as human. You can look this up. There's YouTube videos everywhere. They'll go through the West Bank and Gaza Strip and hold a Palestinian in front of them as a literal human shield when they're going house to house. Because, and these are soldiers. These are soldiers. The, the only people using the human shields are is that. Human shields is what Israel, this is kind of like the word anti-Semitism. It's a trigger word, Okay. Whenever they want to do something, they just come up with a buzzword. Like, oh, human shields. Boom, bomb, 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 yeah, bomb, bomb, bomb. Oh, God. Everybody, we couldn't help ourselves. That's bomb, right. bomb, bomb, press that's in, right. press in. That's right. I, I want to bomb this whole area of land. So we're just going to say that human shields. We're going to say that, uh, you know, these groups are using uh, Palestinians as human shields in everywhere. Basically, 70%, what they say, 70% of the residential buildings have been bombed 70 percent you are they hiding a bomb under every building seriously like every building in 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 gaza has a bomb under it they destroyed almost all the bakeries really all 36 hospitals all the hot you know just about all the hospitals i think all of the all i heard that all 36 hospitals have been bombed now i think a couple of a few of them maybe are still working a little there might be some clinics or something around but they've all been bombed yeah i mean so since october 7th it's, it's clear what they're doing they're they're trying to prevent the next generation they're trying to prevent births right why would you bomb all the hospitals why would you bomb all the hospitals why would you bomb you know, so many residences. Why would you bomb bakeries? Human shield, Samer. Right, right. Exactly. I mean, duh. Human what else shield. are they supposed to do? That's the argument. I know. What it's, else are they supposed to do, Samer? It's ridiculous, right? And it's amazing to me the number of Americans who buy that type of propaganda. Yeah. The yeah. human shield thing is a, is a, a big one for me. Yeah, and and it's it's funny because there Israel always has a right to defend themselves, but don't the Palestinians ever dare raise a finger. Because then they become terrorists. Like, you know, yeah, we killed you. Yeah, we kicked you out of your homes. Yeah, we've treated you like garbage. And your parents. And And your your parents. All all your friends, all your sisters, all your whole family. We killed a bunch of them, actually. (laughs) Yeah. We killed them. Who cares about that? Yeah, we demolished your homes. Yeah, yeah, uh, when we imprison you, we don't have to tell your relatives about it. We can just pick you up off the street and nobody knows where you went, right? Yeah, we, we picked up your kids that are 10 years old or, or 15 years old and put them in prison, and you can't come see them, right? But, but and yeah, we know that you've, you've demonstrated peacefully for many, many years because that, the majority of Palestinian um, protests are peaceful. There are marches in the street. You remember, you used to watch on the news where, where you see uh, where it kind of de evolves into stone throwing, basically. But that's after the Israelis come to disperse the crowd. They throw tear gas into the crowd. They shoot rubber bullets at, uh, at people, or was rubber bullets. Now they're shooting live ammunition, right? But the, all those started as peaceful protests, people marching with signs, you know? And the Israelis are like, nope, can't have that. <laughs> so. What do you think of the argument that someone would present, like, Kelly, you don't get it? You don't get it, Kelly. These people are, they're not who you think you are. You, who you think they are. They don't treat women well. 
they would kill you, Kelly, if they could. Trust me. They would love to kill you and your family if they could, Kelly. So I hope you have fun defending that. Trust me, bro, is not a good argument. That's what I would say. Trust me, bro. What's your source? What's your source? What do you think of allegations that Muslims treat women bad? There are terrible allegations. It's based on ignorance. I mean, what about allegations that, you know, people in the South treat women bad? People would like, you know, where's the, where's the term wife beater shirt come from? Is that from the Middle East? You know, where's that come from? I mean, you have people all over the world. Bad people treat people badly. Mm. It's not a religion. There, you sh- show, me, show, me somewhere where, show me somewhere from an Islamic source that says treat women bad. What's your definition? You know, what do you consider that? Is it the religion that's doing it? Or is it an individual? Because that's two different things. Okay. Um, well, if a woman cheats on their husband, they get acid thrown in their face, Sam, or you don't get it. That's where, They all do that. I know they wouldn't say they all do it, but they'd say it's common in those countries if a woman cheats to get stoned to death or acid thrown in her face. Well, I think that's. I think if women cheat here in the U.S., you have some people that go to extreme measures to uh, to fight them. I mean, if a man cheats on his wife, didn't we have Lorena Bobbitt back in the day? What did she do? I have I mean, a Hispanic wife. Lorena Bobbitt <laughs> actually is Hispanic, despite the right. gringo name. She's right. Hispanic, so right. I've are, thought about that. Hispanic gonna, women can get pretty wild. Are we going to label their religion? I mean, this is some. This is something that's used to basically dehumanize people. It's it's completely based in ignorance. Like I've heard, I've heard this argument. Like this is just this is a hateful argument based off of no knowledge and no actual facts, and they don't actually need facts. Because you can just make up something and say it. And if the other person who you're saying it to doesn't have the knowledge to defend it, he, he just won't have anything to say. But like, What's okay, scary is that they then so. accept it. Yeah, they, they just then, accept that's it. That's the scary thing. Yeah, they just accept it. They're like, okay, yeah. I, 30% I of the world must be shitty. Right. Yeah, right. What percent of the world is Muslim? Or of, of people who are religious on planet Earth? I think it's a lot. I mean, it's almost 50% with... Actually, there's actually probably more Muslims than, than Christians total. Percent of um, world... It's population if, by religion. If you, it, it would be second officially behind Christianity, but because Christianity has Catholicism and, and Protestants and all these different groups, if you just like basically look at the Sunnis, for example, and compare it to any Christian sect, it would be a lot more populous than that. But officially in, in the map, I think if you look at Muslims and Christians worldwide, considering all sects, it's very close second. Um. What was another one? Oh, what I was going to say, one of the arguments that I have presented is um, I'm guessing that if people have access to the internet and they're living in, let's say, Palestine right now, they're living in Gaza, and they're talking to each other, and they're doing this little dehumanization game about us in the United States, which they could do. Who's doing that? Nobody cares about what's going on here. (laughs) But if they were, they could say, like, let's put that hat on, like they could say they influence their kids to transition their genders at young ages and i don't do that i'm not a big fan of that so i mean what i'm saying is regardless of what group it is if you really wanted you could make things up yeah or or there could be legitimacy because that that does exist well it's called stereotype right it's where you find something with a shred of truth or something that's that you twist and make it like a standard right that's it's called a stereotype right it's not it's not the truth but it's like even Ish. if there is some shred of the truth in there, I mean, you need to see what's it being used for, okay? You have to get the context. What's the, what's the I don't know, what, what, what the best way to explain it is. But, like, yeah, you can take anything and twist it into some ridiculous thing that it actually isn't. 
And it's not hard. You can do it with anybody, right? If someone is listening and they support the people of Palestine, maybe they're not necessarily anti-Israel, but they don't like the idea of 30,000 people being slaughtered since October 7th and then however many more right now are dying from infection and and, and starvation right now. What's happening in Gaza right now? Let's say someone listening doesn't like that and they realize that our tax dollars are paying for that directly. How should they vote? I don't know. This is something I've been struggling with because, you know... I had a Muslim tell me he's going to vote for Trump because it's going to stimulate the economy and, 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 and I'm like... That doesn't make any sense to me. I'm like, what's the rationale there? I have no idea even what the angle is on that. Traditionally, Muslims have voted a little more Democrat. Well, recently, I would say. I mean, I'm when back when I was a kid and I registered vote. I registered vote as Republican actually because, and that's what conservative. Conservative because a lot of Muslims are more conservative. Of course, yeah. What happened is the tide turned, especially with George W. or you know Bush and all that type of stuff. They become they started demonizing the Middle East. People didn't feel secure with with the rhetoric that was coming out of the U.S. and the rhetoric from the presidency or the White House is important because that's that's when the extremists come out. You know, when when they talk a lot, when, you know, even I would tell you even under under Trump, when he was more free with his words, you saw a lot more of the extremist elements feeling more empowered, uh, empowered sure. to do things and say things without, you know, without any kind of concern for, for you know what's right or what's wrong and i think people feel that and that's what they're they're really voting for security now more than anything you know it's they don't they're not in the position right now to actually vote for issues so sam or that means you're gonna vote for biden i'm not voting for what? biden and what yeah that's right i mean this what? is what this is i think he's he's lost a lot of people i think i mean i i'm I'm certain he's lost a lot of people, and I, I'd be surprised if he wins. I, I'm pretty sure Trump will probably win. Not that I'm voting for him, but, I mean, I don't think the Democrats have a chance uh, this time around. They're pushing this agenda, and this is, you know, the people felt secure. At least Middle Easterners and, and Muslims felt more secure with with Democrats over the recent years, but now now they're seeing, okay, it's, it's all, uh, you know, it's all a facade, right? So apparently because Biden is regardless of what he says, because I guess every once in a while he does say something where he's kind of like Netanyahu and Israel, man, they need to chill out a little bit. (laughs) And then they just send them like just all the money they want. Literally like nobody buys it. You know, what do you what do you think the the Palestinian kid on the ground uh, thinks when he sees uh, fragments of a bomb that says made in the USA on it? I mean, what what do you think those people feel like? You know, it's like it's it's uh, nobody. This I want to I want to clear up a misconception here. This is a really awesome misconception, it, and and it's 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 really easy to spread, but it has no truth to it. You know, there's an argument. I'm going to give my own argument. What do you say to the guy who says, "Oh, you know, the Muslims all just hate us, and because we're free and all this type of stuff." That's that's the com- most complete nonsense that I've ever heard in my life. It's ridiculous. People don't hate people just because they exist for the most part, for the most part. In a large enough scale that they would actually do something about it, people don't do that. People see what's happening to them. People see what's happening to their parents. People see what they're limited to, and then they see who's doing that. And then they resent that person, right? In, in, In Palestine, in Israel, 
you don't have to teach your kids to hate these people. You can see, like, when they round you up in cages, you know, uh, when you're trying to bo- cross a border and you have to wait two or three hours in line behind a cage, and they and they subject your kids to like torture in prisons, and and they they cut off food, and they do all, and they demolish your family's home for X Y Z reason. And maybe you saw them shoot your best friend in the face. You saw them shoot your best friend in the face. You couldn't do anything about it. I had a rel- I have a relative that was walking home. He he works in he worked in Bethlehem. And he, he lives in Jerusalem, right? So he, he's crossing through a checkpoint for whatever. And they put, you know, in Israel, it's mandatory conscription for every Jewish person who re- reaches 18 has to be in the military. So, so, so everyone has to. So, but they, what, a lot of these border guards are these kids, 18-year-old, 19-year-old, 20-year-old. And, they're, and, and some of them are very hateful. They like to play. So Young males are crazy. Right. So I was one. And, yeah, and they, they, they do these things, and they're harassing these people. So I've seen videos. He was, he was basically pulled in into the shack, beat up severely with the butt of a gun, multiple places. Then they, then they just drove him out into a random place and just threw him out of the vehicle. Who did he have to complain to? Nobody. You, you can't say anything. You can't do anything about it. So these people are living like this every day. And you know this person? I, yeah, he's my cousin. So it, I could tell you, I have firsthand and secondhand experience, right? So I, I'm, this, this stuff happens on a massive scale. You don't have to teach hate, right? You don't have to teach it when the people are living it. On the other side... You know, the Israelis are, and they are teaching their people. If you, you can look at this online. Benjamin, I mean, some of the statements released by military, uh, uh, high-ranking military officials. Yes. Comparing them to, hearing Ben Shapiro, if you, if you get a clip of him saying some stuff, they're like, (laughs) he's like, he's like, oh yeah, maybe if I was Palestinian, I would do that. Maybe also I'd go play in my own sewage and be fucking poor. That's exactly. And you're like, oh my God, Ben, you sound very hateful. Those people are in their own sewage, maybe not because of their, they want to be, Ben. That doesn't sound very nice. It's it's racism at its finest. You know, and and I'll I'll tell you though, I'll tell you something. Do you, do I think that you can't come back from it? No, I don't think so. I think you can come back from it, but it takes the stronger person to reach out for peace, not the weaker person. Because the weaker person can say, okay, I want peace. And if the stronger person doesn't want to be like, all right, here, have a piece of, you know, you know, have, have this, and then they'll punch you in the face and you can't do anything about it. But if the stronger person actually desires peace, which I don't think the country of Israel wants peace. United States doesn't. U.S. doesn't because it's instability in the Middle East and, and, I, as far as uh, it seems to me that that's favorable, or, or at least for what the government thinks is is best. But I don't I don't agree that that I don't agree that that is best for the U.S. And I think there's a lot of libertarians that don't agree that that is the best for the U.S. is to instigate and make people destabilize or destabilize regions and that type of thing is not the best better than maybe being human with them and giving aid and and helping rather than just you know oppressing people because people see that as what it is they don't buy it prior to you and i uh meeting each other i guess what a couple weeks ago when we first spoke on the phone had you given much thought to the libertarian party or or libertarian train of thought no because you know there's basically two groups in america that have any kind of chance of winning right democrat and republican Mm -hmm. and even though they both have huge problems there really doesn't... Is uh, there any good thing about right. either of them? 
not really. Not as a whole. They will not. say there is. That's Indivi- not what I'm referring to. Yeah, I don't yeah, mean yeah. like the rhetoric they say. I mean like what what do they do to help us? I, I don't know. They've become too big for the, 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 anything beneficial to come out of it. It's it's not right right now. It's all con- it's all controlled by political action committees and money from corporations. And you know, really, it doesn't mean anything. Those two groups at the end of the day, it's like two sides of a coin. But at the end, the result is extreme on both sides. Ron Paul was a congressman from Texas for many years. I think he was born in Pittsburgh, but he was a, I think he was born somewhere in Pennsylvania. But anyways, congressman from Texas, libertarian. He ran in 1988 as a libertarian. Of course, he got like less than 1% of the vote or something. And then congressman as a Republican, he ran in 2008 as a Republican. For president, he got on the stage the year that Obama won the first time. Um, and he got to debate some of the other Republican candidates uh, about like fiscal conservatism and things like that, which was awesome. So he got on this big stage and Mayor Rudy Giuliani, who of course was the mayor of New York during 9-11, he was running that year. And if you Google it or do a YouTube search, Ron Paul Giuliani moment is what it's called. And I sent it to you, Samer, and you said you agreed with him. Mm -hmm. But what he basically in effect said was like, guys, you guys got this war stuff all wrong. You could hear the crowd booing. Yeah. Everybody in there is booing him. Yeah. He's you saying. that Giuliani guy who's like. I've never heard of that. I've never heard. He said. No, he's, he's hateful. Yeah, Giuliani is a hateful person. But, but Ron Paul said the reason they attacked us is not because they hate us because yeah. we're free. Yeah, he's right. It's because we're over there fucking with them. Yeah, he's right. And, and then Mayor Giuliani's like, what? I've never heard of that. Yeah. And everybody in the crowd who's like. Yeah, boo, Ron Paul, boo. Everybody on stage is booing him. And they're all like, we've never even heard that. That's a crazy theory. Where'd you come up with that? But let me even clarify. When he's saying they attacked us, he's talking about September. Was that September? No, that was before. Was that September No, this was 2008 is when they had the debate. They were referring to the 2001 September 11th attack. So September 11th, that's even a controversial topic. Like if you ask most Muslims, they'll say that, no, this is not, you know, there's that it didn't no, actually but, happen the way. No, not that it didn't happen, but it's just there's something shady there. There's like an insight because no Muslim would believe that this group would do it. Now, I'm not going to put it past. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. If there was a group of people that wanted to do something evil and they carried it out, okay, it happened. Okay, I'm not. I don't have evidence either way, right? But I'm saying like, yeah, they're using this huge thing, and and this is fun. This is interesting too because this kind of goes back to Israel too. Uh, and th- because there is a theory, because Netanyahu, he's been around for a long time. Yeah, was he in office? I think he, he was in office from 98 he, to around he that. He was pushing U.S. policy forever, forever. He pushed U.S. policy to get uh, Saddam out. He's He's been pushing U.S. policy to get. And he actually wrote a book, and you can go Google it, YouTube it. Net- Netanyahu he, did? Netanyahu. I bet that's a pleasant book. Wrote a book before September 11th that said, if you don't watch out for these Muslims, that Next thing you know, they're going to fly airplanes into the World Trade Center. Mm. Back in 1995. Mm. Is, that, is, is he a prophet or is, is this foreseeing something? And that, Osama bin Laden had been working with the CIA. Now, that I doesn't mean, mean they didn't do it. Because I'm not just saying, that, the United I'm not saying States, they didn't do yeah, it. Yeah, just because that. the United States was, was supporting Obama, uh, Osama bin Laden at one point against really... Like a proxy war against Russia, I think, kind of at certain points. Well, all these groups, like we love them, then we hate them, right? Like we put them in place because it's convenient for us to fight Russia or whatever. All the all the people are pawns, right? So we have the superpowers. You have your 
U.S., your Russia, your China, your whatever. And then everybody else, they just manipulate because they don't want to fight each other directly. Sure. Right? So what do you think happens over time? You think the people being manipulated don't realize they're being manipulated? They know they're being manipulated, right? But at the same, but they're more worried about their own little thing, right? In their little scope, right? But it comes a time where, you know, it gets pushed over the line and then people become resentful, you know? <laughs> Shocking, right? I haven't experienced anything like that. I guess my family's Irish, so a long time ago right. their bad shit happened to them. But right. um, in Catholics, at one point, were discriminated against in the U.S. So it's, that has happened. Things like that have happened to my ancestors. Yeah, but if I had a cousin yeah. who had, or, you know, whatever. I, yeah. I met a guy from the West Bank recently yeah. in Louisville. Yeah. And I met his daughter. Yeah. And I was like, oh, so sweet, five-year-old. What's her name? Yeah. Jihad. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, holy shit, that's her name. And then yeah. I start thinking, no. I'm like, I Jihad wonder why. Doesn't, doesn't mean anything. No, no. But see, this is another misconception. Jihad doesn't mean anything bad or negative. It doesn't It doesn't mean war. J- jihad means struggle. Oh, okay. Right? Okay. So the Prophet, Happy I mentioned that. Yeah, the, the, the Prophet Muhammad said that there are many different types of jihad. There is an internal struggle. The biggest type of jihad is an internal struggle. Your internal struggle to continue to believe, to do the right things, to because you know you you may want to do something that satisfies you, but it's not something that uh, that Allah or God wants you to do. So you have to struggle with yourself. You know, you struggle not to sin, struggle not to do other things. That is one. For, that is the major jihad. The lesser jihad is to fight, to defend yourself, to defend your property. You know, defend your kids. Okay, there is no such thing as offensive jihad in Islam. In terms of, yeah, there is no such thing. There's I, no such I've thing heard as, that, 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 that. When people say that the Quran uh, advocates for killing infidels, no, it that, there is points where it mentions things that what I've heard, my description that yeah. I've heard, a rebuttal to that accusation yeah. would be that it, it, there is references at points, but it's all in the context of war. And it's not saying that well, actually, and then I heard my, my, one of my Palestinian friends told me that yeah. it actually says in the Quran at different places mm-hmm. to kill someone who's not a Muslim is like the worst thing you can do on earth. No, no. So it it's says, actually advocating. It says to kill one innocent person okay. is as as if you're killing all of mankind. That's exactly how and he to said it. To save one innocent person is as if you saved all of mankind, regardless of their religion. Regardless of their religion, okay. an innocent person meaning someone who had nothing to do with anything. Okay, there's there's okay. There are verses in the Quran that talk about fighting and and killing, right? Because this is not it's Islam is a peaceful religion. It's not a pacifist religion. It's not a, hey, you do whatever and turn the other cheek. It's not a turn the other cheek. If you hit me, I'm allowed to hit you back. You know, if you attack me, I'm allowed to attack you back. If you attack my family, I'm allowed to attack you back. Okay? It's, it's defensive. It's not offensive. Um, it, when it, the context of all those verses that are talking about war, and there, are, there is a context of war in the Quran, is when is it, it's, it usually more, it's usually specific. It's talking about... At the time of the Prophet, for example, when the idolaters wanted to kill him and all his followers, okay, and for 13 years they took, they, they, they weren't given permission to fight back. And then finally they chased them from Mecca to Medina and they wanted to kill them and they said, okay, now permission was given to you to fight them and you can fight them wherever you find them and all this stuff. But, but in the next verse, the people don't read the verse just before and the verse right after. It's in the same verses anywhere you see that. Right at read the read a couple more lines into it. It says, "But if you incline to peace, sorry, but if they incline to peace, then you also have to incline to peace because God does not love those who transgress." 
So you only fight people to the extent to where the wrong that they're doing against you is stopped. And then you're supposed to back off. If they incline to peace, you have to incline to peace. So this is where people just twist things and, you know, just, I'm going to take a little bit of truth. Yes, it does say kill. Okay, I'm going to exaggerate and say that's all it says. The Old Testament says some pretty fucked up stuff too. The Old Testament is a lot worse and more specific. The Old Testament says basically, uh, it talks about Amalek. It says... Kill all that the women. That was referenced recently. It was referenced Benjamin a lot. Benjamin Netanyahu said that he, recently. He called, I think. he called the Palestinians Amalek, <laughs> meaning they ha- they should meaning implying that they should kill all the women, children, uh, nursing children, which is babies, infants, livestock, everything. Wipe them off the map, basically. That's but three, what they did. Three Amalek. American soldiers were killed. Though. Right, exactly. And that's yeah. where the focus should be. One moment. Yeah, here. sure. All right, Samer. I should ask, is Samer the most common way to pronounce your name? Yep, that's right. Okay. That's Not Samir? Nope. That's okay. a different name. My father's name is Samir, so <laughs> that's a, it's a different, completely different name. Spelled the same? No, I mean, I mean, you're trying to spell an Arabic word into English, so. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> it's like you can spell it however you want. You know? Okay. Um, a lot of different directions a conversation like this can go into. Yep. Um, one I would ask is. So we were talking earlier about 1947-1948. There's all sorts of stuff that goes on between then and 1967. Ultimately, in 1967, my understanding is they ended up saying, okay, we were kind of humoring the idea of the Muslims having a lot of land and not, not more than half of it, but now 1967, basically, you guys got nothing, pretty much nothing. Well, 1967 was the Six-Day War, I believe. Yes. So that's that's basically uh, Israel had advanced intelligence, destroyed all the tanks in the desert that Egypt was going to invade with, uh, Egypt, Syria, I think. Um, and basically they took the Sinai Peninsula from Egypt, the whole Sinai, and they took the West Bank from Jordan at the time. I think Jordan gave it up in a peace treaty later uh, as part of a future or as hopes for a future part of a future Palestinian state. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, which include and the Sinai included Gaza at the time, which some of that stuff came back to them. Uh, the Sinai obviously went back to uh, Egypt and um, Gaza stayed with, uh, with Palestine, which it was part of originally Palestine anyway. So here's, this is Gaza here on the map here. So mm-hmm. it's that little... Um, the West block. Bank is West, West Bank of... This was the West Bank, right? Yep. West Bank. And then here, when you know when they say from the river to the sea, mm-hmm. that, that famous statement there, from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea. Um, when they say to from the river to the sea, yeah. ob- you just said it. Yeah. Obviously, you're advocating for killing all Jews, right? No, obviously not. Yeah. You know, this is a hot button topic. I'm going to try to touch on yeah. all the hot button topics yeah, with you, Samer. You know, the, you know the first people who said from the river to the sea? It was the Likud party, which is Netanyahu's party in 1977. They, it was on their, it was on their uh, charter. It was not a charter. It was an election rally slogan that they said they will control all the land will be under Israel from the river to the sea. They created it. They created that. They came up with it. And then, and then the Palestinians turned it around later and said, well, from the river, if you're going to say from the river to the sea, we're going to say from the river to the sea, and they say Palestine will be free, right? So, the that's the funny thing. They're offended. Israel is offended when you say from the river to the sea. But even recently, Netanyahu said from the river to the sea. Very recently, he said it. When a Palestinian says that, yeah, are they advocating for killing Jews? No, 
No, I think any. Do you think that it could be used maybe in a radical context? They mean, no, hopefully, we're going to do I, away with the entire state of so, Israel. So I'm not going to say that there's like Palestinians love Jewish people in Israel and want to hug them and kiss them and and be their best friend. No, they they don't want to. They're they've been oppressed by them for many 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 years, right? But I don't think that their solution is is to eradicate them in any sense of the form. Okay, so there, there's been this two state solution thing, right? Two state solution is Forcing the 1947 partition plan on Palestinians, which at the time was not even a thought in their mind because they, they controlled all of the land. And basically now the majority of Palestinians, which under the Oslo Accords in, 19, in the early 1990s, were going to concede, okay, even though, even though there's still a majority, even though in, in, in Israel today, if you count the West Bank and Gaza Strip, there are 7 million Jewish people and 7 million Palestinians. They're about 50-50. Israel doesn't count that. They, they don't count the West Bank and Gaza Strip. So they say, oh, no, we're, we're actually, you know, 80, 20 uh, Jews to Palestinians. But anyway, they, they were willing to do a two-state solution, even though the Israelis were not really serious about it, okay, because th that's not their intent is to do that. But I think that won't work. I don't think that would ever work. And I think a lot more people would be happy and a lot more people would be content long-term if it was a one-state solution, where both, it doesn't matter what you call the state. You can call it Israel. You can call it Palestine. You can call it Swaziland. It doesn't matter what you call it. But if the Pal if you gave the Palestinians equal rights. Whoa, whoa. You yeah, can't, right. you get carried away there, Samer. You can't do it, right? They're but not if, human. Right, exactly. That's the whole premise. That's the whole premise, right? We can't, can't give them rights. They'll kill everyone. It's a Jewish state. What are we supposed to do, Samer? It, we Jewish give them state. rights. They'll kill everyone. R remember, it's a Jewish state, Kelly. Okay. So when, when you, you know, they get offended when they say, oh, look at this charter and it's saying, hey, we want you, we don't want any, you know, we want this to be Palestine from the river to the sea. But when their constitution says this is a Jewish only state, um, you can't help but sense the hypocrisy there and, and the lack of uh, equality or equity. So, you know, you say that you, you, they're, cla they're claiming that they, the Palestinians want to kick them off the land, but they're actively kicking the Palestinians off the land. They're pushing them out. They're killing them. You know, they're saying, oh, we're not really good at genocide. Well, that doesn't define whether you're doing genocide or not. There's a whole genocide convention that's defined by the United Nations that defines what genocide is, which is why South Africa took Israel to the ICJ. The well, that was handled, and they clearly found right. there was no big deal going on. No, right. Yeah, maybe a little genocide. No right. big, Just try right. to taper just, it a little bit. No big right. deal. Move on business as usual. Right. Thank God they addressed it, though. Right, right. So they came out uh, January 28th, and they said, hey, it's actually plausible that they're committing uh, genocide. So what happens in these uh, ICJ, International Court of Justice uh, uh, proceedings, is they usually don't rule for years. It takes them forever to actually come out with an actual uh, ruling on this. But when, when in the case of uh, potential genocides or problems like, for example, even in, in Ukraine, right? Ukraine, Ukraine, Russia, you know, they, they, went, they, they went before the ICJ. ICJ said, okay, yeah, Russia is doing something bad. They, need, they, they came out with a provisional, method, uh, a pro provisional measure, which is basically like a stopgap, something that they can issue right away without saying who's guilty and who's innocent. To, to, to tell somebody that they have to stop doing this or, or if they tell them if they don't even have a case. And in the case of Ukraine-Russia, they say, yes, Russia needs to cease fire immediately and they need to stop everything they're doing. In the case of Palestine-Israel, they basically said, 
Yes, by it's it was actually almost a consensus. It was like almost every judge, except for one or two, for every every one of the uh, items that they voted on, w- voted that yes, number one, the most important thing is it's very plausible that there is a genocide going on in Palestine. So we don't have to dis- we don't have to argue whether there's a genocide or not. The the judges are already saying that it's plausible, even though they don't want to admit to it just yet. It's probably the the official ruling would be years ahead, and they had I don't know where I put my. Oh, I took your papers. My here we go. Here. Yep, yep. So they they came out with these really soft. Oh, hands. this is you brought the I see you brought the paper uh, the notes from the ICJ yeah. and what yeah. they released. Yeah, okay. exactly. They well, came, I'm th- I'm happy that they help they dealt with it in a court oh, of law. Of course, as right. long as it was a court of law, then that means that everything. It's not enforceable again, like anything the UN does. It's not enforceable. It's not enforceable, but still, it was a good right? thing they did it, huh? So here's the measures that they said. So this is what they that's this. These are the six provisional me, um, measures that the ICJ ruled that Israel is required to adopt right right away. They said that Israel has to quote take all measures within its power to prevent genocide, ensure that a military does not commit genocide, take all measures within its power to prevent a punishment. To prevent and and punish incitement to genocide, uh, they also said they, that Israel needs to take immediate and effective measures to enable urgent humanitarian assistance and basic services. They said uh, uh, preserve evidence related uh, to allegations of acts under Article Two and Three of the Genocide Convention and report to the court within one month about the measures taken to give effect uh, to give effect to the order. Basically, report on themselves. What have they done? To do this, in the meanwhile, you see uh, settlers again with the Israeli settlers sitting there protesting in front of aid trucks, blocking aid to go into Gaza and the West Bank. And what is Israel doing about it? Absolutely nothing. You know, within hours of this, Netanyahu came out and said, "Hey, we don't respect this, and we don't uh, expect anybody else to respect it. This is kind of a sham." So he already said, "Blanket, well, we're not going to listen to this. We're not going to respect what they're saying, even though they're a member state." And they're bound by the ICJ rulings. It seems the people who share hashtag free Palestine and and that type, I I actually try to avoid using stuff like that. Free Palestine, human shields, when actually uh, trying to engage in social media posts. And I I share on my Instagram, like I have Palestine, I'll share like a video of, you know, them carrying bodies out. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, your tax dollars are doing this. Coming from my end, I'm an yeah. American. That's, I'd like to say I care about innocent people being killed. But what brought me to it is my gut, my tax dollars are the ones doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but when, when, when sharing, let me see where I was going to take that. I'm sorry. I, I got carried away there. Oh, the people who normally share hashtag Free Palestine appear to be like Black Lives Matter type people, commies, uh, that leftist type of, of mindset, and it gets mocked in our country. You see the queers for Palestine and all the uh, uh, Republicans in our country are like, look at these fucking idiots, and they're sharing it everywhere, and <laughs> they don't even know they'd be killed if they went over there, and, and that type of stuff. What do you think of me saying that it seems like mostly... Democratic socialists or commies are the ones who care in the United States um, about other than Arabic people or Muslims. Well, There's I mean, not that many white uh, republic, you know, white conservative, relatively conservative males like me who seem to care that much about it. Outside of the people who are actually personally invested, it's the commies who care. What is your rebuttal to that? Um, I mean, I think it's an argument to. Um 
undermine the legitimacy of something. Okay. If, if you want to undermine it, you come up with some, you know, random argument to say, oh, look, people are not smart enough to know when something wrong is happening. Okay. So they must have another agenda, right? Like, okay, so it's clear. We, we, they've killed 30,000 plus people, and I would argue po- probably 40, 50,000 people because we can't count all the people under the rubble. Fair. Right what now. about the people I mean, who left? Right. Who, or somehow, or maybe, I guess yeah. they can't leave, but I mean, like, what's can't the goal leave, here? The really. whole, there's 1.2 million people right. there. Like, what? Yeah. What exactly? 70% of the buildings have been bombed. I mean, what, I don't yeah. know what's well, going on. Well, I mean, on. I think if they had it their way, they would they would push them completely out into the sea, you know, if if they could find somewhere else to take them. That's why they were trying to get Egypt to take a bunch of people. And Egypt was like, no, we already have a bunch of people here. Why did Egypt say no? Because someone... Why would they say yes? Why doesn't, why doesn't Israel open up its borders and take the civilians? Why does everybody else have to take them? Mm, okay. I mean, the Palestinians are from Palestine. The Israelis are from Eastern Europe. They're from America. They're from Great Britain. But 4,000 years ago, Sam, 4,000 years ago. More like, you know, 75 years ago. I mean, that's when they started moving into there. Even, you know, all the immigration. I mean, like I told you the stats, 1947, only 33% of of Palestine was Jewish people. 33%. 30, in 1947, 33%. 33% of Palestine was were Jewish people. Okay? Today, okay, if if they count if they don't count the West Bank and Gaza Strip, they're close to 80%. Okay? If they count the West Bank and Gaza Strip, they're about 50-50. Now, if you count the Palestinians that have been pushed out of like in Lebanon, Jordan, Syria, all that, that's another 6 million Palestinians. That would put them back closer to the Israelis, back closer to like 40% or, or lower than that. That's why, that's why they don't want. That's why they can't, or in, under their own, it doesn't meet their interest uh, for a Jewish state, because that, this is an ethnocentric, uh, you know, uh, racist ideology, first of all, for a state, to, to, to give equal rights. They actually want to get all their ancient lands back, which means that eventually they're going to be moving into Lebanon, they're going to be trying to move into Syria to get, you know, Judea, Samaria, all these different, uh, you know, places that they conquered before. That's that's ultimately their goal. I mean, they've even said it. You know, they've 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 stated their goals. You know, they're not shy. The Israelis and the Israeli government, and I'm not talking about the common Israeli. Okay, I'm talking about the government people, the people in high power, the people who, you know, the movers and the shakers. You know, they've stated it. They they're not shy because they know they've had immunity for so long with the West that they're not worried about what they say. This is why Netanyahu can get away with saying stuff like that. There's some really, really yeah. fucked up quotes out there that's, from not just Netanyahu, that, but yes. other high-ranking Israeli military all, officials. Yeah, they called they call the Turn it into a, a parking lot. Ha, yeah. ha, ha. I saw a Let's, video of uh, IDF soldiers shooting a, a young, look like a teenage boy in the in the dick, they, and then I think he bled out and died. They, they do, dude, there's so many stories of where they do that. They kill kids in the middle of the street. They'll laugh at them. They'll light them on fire. They, they'll, it'll be on the news, and they'll say, oh, and then w- when the world questions them about it, they say, oh, yeah, we're going to have to investigate. And then they investigate, quote, end quote, and then they find that person to be innocent. How? Who knows? And this, this, is their, this is their key. This is their kind of, you know, get out of jail free card is they say, oh, we have to investigate. Yeah, we didn't know we were doing that. We'll investigate. Nothing comes of these investigations, you know. Do they ever hold anybody responsible? <laughs> no. Or rarely if they ever do. My strategy is to at least, if I hear this topic come up, and also to let everybody on my social media know how I feel, 
going forward to try to stand for what I think is right. Yeah. Not that I'm perfect, obviously, sure. but like nobody is. Uh, but also to vote libertarian. Why shouldn't all vote Muslims vote libertarian? Conservative Muslims in the United States. I mean, I vote don't libertarian. Think, I why don't not? Think there's a reason why not at this point. I mean, Republican and Democrat is has failed miserably for you know anything that any interest that uh, I don't I don't I don't know that. Democrats and Republicans are currently serving any interest for, you know, Islamic or minded or, or you know, people from the Middle East. They took a, a, a poll or a, a vote in Congress, 435 members of Congress in the United States who condemns. I think the question was, is anti-Zionism the same thing as anti-Semitism? 433 people in Congress, U.S. Yeah. Co- members of Congress, yeah. voted Yes, it's the same. Oh, they're bought out. One of them voted. I'm not. I'm present, but I'm not voting. Yeah. I think that was Rashida Tlaib, and then Thomas yeah. Massey, a Kentuckian, yeah, Northern Kentucky. If you live in the east end of, of, uh, if anyone listening lives in the east end of Louisville, you can vote for Thomas Massey. He's the only one who said no. Yeah, that's pretty cool for him, but not I a mean, good sign for our country. No, I mean you've got APAC and other uh, Israeli lobby groups. I mean, lobby groups is the downfall of America. I mean, you've got... That's why government is inherently it, evil. It, 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 it's corrupt. I, I, again, I don't like the word evil for... We can know. pretend that it's not evil if you want. You want to pretend it's not? I we mean, can pretend. You can say how you want to say it. Which, I, which I, I government say, has not fucked people I'll, over historically? Say, which one? I would say inherently corrupt. I mean, I don't... No, sorry, I won't want to say inherently corrupt. Okay, but I will say it is currently corrupt. All of I, them. I don't. I don't have my uh, facts and figures lined up to have that argument with you. So Fair. okay, that's I, and that's not the yeah. purpose of the episode yeah, 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 today. Exactly. I know. I know. Exactly. But but so, in but, my eyes, I mean, it, limited government is what Republicans say they like. Yeah. Like vote for small government tax breaks and stuff like yeah. that, and stimulate the economy and stuff, and then. Yeah, it's 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 what you, what you say in one thing and what you do is is a completely other thing, and all these people are getting their money to for their elections. Election is a big business in the U.S., right? I oh mean, yeah. Right, so I mean, it's 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 a far cry from the guy who stands on the soapbox back in Lincoln's day and and you know tells you what his position is. Now you have to have millions just to be heard or just to be on the ballot. I just read a book about Lincoln. Lincoln actually made a shit shitload of money himself too. He liked making money for himself too. I'm sure a lot. Yeah, of people, a lot of people in power who put themselves in power, you know, they have some level. Yeah, so it was kind of so. crony capitalism even back then. Is based on the the real Lincoln book that I recently read. Yeah, I I guess my point was not that as much as it was how big, how how far gone we were from from the origins. You know, when you first start a civilization or a country, right? It starts small, right? You start okay, hey, this guy, he's our elder in our in our society. He's the leader, right? He makes the decisions, right? And it's because he knows better. Right. It starts off because he knows better. Eventually. Well, that right there, if you ever buy into the idea that I know better than you and your family, then that's stupid. I don't think it's stupid. It depends. If I know better than you for what's your family, that in itself is stupid. For for my family, I don't know. It depends on who I want my leader. I I don't know. In what way do you know better? That's that's the the thing. Okay. So, So again, like, so I'm Muslim, right? So, uh, you know, I believe in Islamic government, okay? Because Islam is not just a religion. It's a way of life, okay? You know, our prophet uh, had, had, and, and God in, in our holy book has laid out to us how we should live, how we should govern ourselves. 
You know, it, when the prophet was around, he, he was a statesman, he was a person, he was a father, he, was, he did everything, okay? And he told us every, every aspect of, about how we should live our lives, okay? And he gave us a tradition afterwards that the person who is most knowledgeable, and that's most knowledgeable in the religion, okay, is the one who should, who should lead. Now, that went all downhill, <laughs> okay? Sounds within, like it would. Within, <laughs> within a few generations, it went downhill, because people, not because, not because, again, it's not the religion. It's because people. People are shady. People get greedy. People want things for themselves. Okay. Sure. The first, the first, I think what they call the first four caliphs after the prophet. These were all disciples of the prophet. They're called the four rightly guided caliphs because none of them wanted to be caliphs they were appointed by everybody else because everybody else saw them to be they rejected they initially rejected it none of them wanted to be in charge they were appointed by people around them because they were the best people to lead and they and they were the best example but coming towards the end of that toward, there was a big conflict because there were other people getting involved that wanted the power and you should be wary of anybody who wants the power and seeks the power that's where the evil that you talked about comes in. But it's always there. <laughs> you show me a government that doesn't have that. Well, this I gave you an example. That my example is the four rightly guided caliphs from from the, the, the moment era. Briefly worked. It, it worked. I mean, it, it it worked until somebody pulled it down, right? So yeah, in the United States, the limited government, Jeffersonian type stuff worked for a little, you know. In theory, or it seems like it had worked. I mean, the well, United States there, grew I, and limited government I, and personal freedom, Second Amendment, everybody has weapons. And yeah. in theory, the United States so, experiment has worked out pretty well, I Well, seems. so to your point, to your point, I don't, I don't believe that there's a perfect governmental system in terms of like, let's say, oh, capitalism, is that the best way? Is it democracy? Is it socialism? Is it communism? Is it whatever? There is no perfect system because these systems are all man-made. If we're talking about all these systems, there are man-made systems, and, and man is flawed, so those systems are flawed. Sure. There are some aspects of those different things that are good, and there are some aspects that are bad. So sure. democracy is great for stability, but it's horrible for progress because democracy says that you have to vote. You know, The way that our system is set up, it sets up all sorts of obstacles to change. It's so hard to change laws and change the way fundamentally that, that, that a country does things because, first of all, you have to elect a president. Then you have to get Congress to vote on these laws. And the, these people are just, you know, just by design uh, with the checks and balances are always against each other. And nowadays, what is it, 50-50 pretty much? 50% votes for Democrats, 50% votes for Republicans. They bounce back and forth every four or eight years. Everything that one does, the other one will cancel out. So it's like you're it's not nothing. gonna you're not gonna achieve anything, right? So no. let's let's take it over to somewhere else. If you have a dictatorship, military dictatorship, okay, then it just depends on the person who's running it. If that person is horrible, then you're gonna have a horrible life, you know. If that person just happens to be wonderful, like let's just say, and, and I'm not even calling this person wonderful, but I'm just gonna give you an example, like UAE, for example, in Dubai, the the Emir of Dubai, for example. So these guys, this guy's a long-sided, you know, I don't even know his name, but I'm just, uh, off the top of my head, I can't think of it. But this guy was a long-sided person. He's, current guy. Um, he's the current guy. I believe so, yes. Okay, okay. Yeah, so he's the one who developed Dubai from a desert into what it is today. Even though they have oil in the UAE, 
he's like, well, we're not going to depend on this for the rest of, you know, forever, like some of the other countries in the Middle East, right? And we're going to develop this into a country where we're going to do business with other people. We're going to have, you know, we're going to have this coming in. Our people are going to be prosperous, but not just because we have money. Again, I'm not saying he's not corrupt in other ways <laughs> or, or he's perfect, but I'm just giving an example of like, hey, look, these, these, these things can work. These different types of governments can work. None of them are perfect, right? You know, we, we started off good. We're stable now. Who knows where we're going to go from here? You know, we, we're an open society. We, we let everybody in, we, which is good, we have, we, which means we have uh, ideas and, and innovations from all sorts of people. All our missile uh, uh, programs, space, that came from the Germans that we brought into the country, right? You know, uh, the, you know we have uh, Chinese people that come in the country, and they give us this and that. The problem, though, is when you have a lot of diversity, you also have, eventually, you have instability whenever, you, whenever the government gets weak. That's another, that's, another, that's another thing that some of the other countries maybe that are more ethnocentric, you know, if you go to Japan, for example. Oh, know, I've heard. It's all Japanese, right? So kind of they, they, racist, even against Koreans, I've heard. Dude, everybody's racist to some, to some level. Yeah, God knows I am. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one for a white right. guy, Good joke for a white guy to make, right? God knows I well, am. I mean, you go there. Yeah, so you go, you go to these different countries, and, and they, do something, they do some things really, really well, and other things not so well. Okay. You come to the U.S., we do a lot of things really well because everybody's – we have people – we draw on the knowledge of a lot of different people. Sure. But – do you have conflict? Do you have tensions between people? Yes, because, you know, the, the human nature is that I, when I want to identify with somebody who looks like me, who believes like me, and as long as the government is strong, right, and I'm talking about the government in terms of protecting everybody's rights. Domestically. Not, domestically. As long as the government is wrong domestically and protects my rights over his rights, we can live in, in peace together. Sure, and I think the United States does a pretty good job. Of they that. do a great job. This of is that. a pretty good place to live. Exactly, it's a, it's an easy place to live, right? The best, probably. My wife is from Cuba, and my, her mom lived in Spain for years. And yeah. this is, I think, yeah. now maybe there's arguments to be made for other yeah. places, but this seems to be like a good spot. Yes, currently. domestically, currently. But as it's going here with with these arguments from both sides, you know, Democrat, Republican, they're getting more tense. There's more wars in different places. But they're both on the same side right. for the war. So right. it's all Noam Chomsky, a most famous, basically communist anarchist. But still, he has a great quote. He says, what's the way to control a population? Somehow you divide them up into two groups and then create a bunch of bullshit to make them argue over. While in reality, you're like still you know, doing the same shit you were doing before, but you get everybody to argue with each other a bunch of, of that's, uh, over that's a bunch our, of frivolous bullshit. Yeah. I mean, the trans stuff in school, yeah. I wouldn't say I agree with that, but I have two kids in public schools so, and I've been involved in their life and they're uh, 15 and 14 and they're doing well. They're not, yeah. they haven't been really influenced by that. So it's not actually impacting me despite the public school stuff well, because it, I'm involved, yeah. you know, it's, I've been able to avoid that. But so, but, but our country just argues over it. Like it's the biggest thing in the history of the world. Meanwhile, well, your cousin or whoever else, you know, in Palestine, well, maybe I give you one. Killed. I give you one example, but yeah, I mean, meanwhile, you know, the 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 foreign policy is like let me let these people fight it amongst themselves. We'll keep them weak. We'll keep ourselves strong. That doesn't come without a price, you know. It's mm. it's it's not it's not you know. It, and I, I I don't know. I, I I don't I don't resonate with that because you know even religiously, whatever religion you are, you're not taught to incite hate between different people. You know, you're, ta you're taught to bring people together and whatever. Any religion you are. Sure. Right? 
That's how I interpret Catholicism. However, so when you call this a Christian country, however, some of the uh, later stuff with the rapture and the shit gets pretty crazy. Obviously, like Lindsey Graham and like all these crazy fucks that are like, well, that's another. So it does take some crazy. Well, this this kind of goes into another topic, right? So, what's the largest? Zionist group that's non-Jewish. Oh, dude, bigger than the Jews, <laughs> right? Christian Zionists are probably bigger than the Jewish Zionists, right? Yeah, evangelicals, right? And but not for a good reason, not because they love the Jewish people. Yeah, what is the reason, right? So I mean, because biblical, they, biblical. They want bring to, in the end of times. That's right. Let's get them all in one place. So and then that, what happens? So everybody, all, all the Jews, everybody dies. Yeah. So. It, and and you know what Israelis know that, but it's it's opportunity. They don't believe in it, so they're like, okay, well, if you want to give me this support, then I'll take it. I don't, you know, I don't see the the Catholics aren't quite as much uh, in line with the um, the uh, rapture stuff, but some are actually. But it's more so evangelical, Protestant, right-leaning Republican Americans. But there, uh, to be honest, there's plenty of Catholics that do believe that too. But I think for the most part, it's Protestant. Well, I, it, the, the belief, okay, so again, I don't personally agree with that because I'm Muslim. I don't believe in that. But the belief that that will happen is different than you trying to make it happen. That's a different thing. You trying to influence, you know, prophecy, oh, yeah. like to say, okay, I'm going to make the prophecy come true. Then you really don't, I don't know how much belief you really have in, in God's will to make it, to make something happen. And I've tried to get people to come on and explain that to me. Yeah. Like my premises jesus is going to come back yeah. we should i should try to treat my kids good and my family yeah. and sh- people that i see but that's what and you're so taught then if right? it does happen yeah that i think that is what it is right what we're taught, are I you taught are you taught to get these people in one place so that they can be killed or are you taught that you know it you know this is just uh, uh you know be good to your neighbor be kind give give to others that you want you know or do to others that you want done to yourself and then this thing in the future that's going to come is going to come regardless of what you do right so or does it? Or does it tell you you should round up these people? Let's get them all in this one place so that they can be killed. <laughs> well, they're less than human, right? Exactly. That's part. It exactly. has to be a part of it, right? Exactly. So. The dehumanization thing is interesting because people always wonder, like, what happened in the '30s in in Germany, or you know, and and they started to slowly dehumanize. Like How did people go along with that? I, what the what the hell happened? I don't get it. How could anyone ever do that and then turn right around and go? You know the Muslims, they don't treat the women right, good behind, right. under your brother. Oh, right. my God, they would kill you. Just right. you know, well, They would all kill you. Look at it. People are just not paying attention to it. it what, what, do you think, what do you think the average German citizen, when, when, when Hitler was on the radio you know, yelling this and that, and he was saying, you know, we need to do this, we need to do that, the average guy is just going about his business, not watching anything. He's like, eh, something's going on. I, eh, I think it's not. It'll probably be okay. Sure. Germany's strong. We'll, we'll be good. And then they're wondering about the white... Uh, argument they had with their wife or something. They would go on to their everyday yeah, life. Yeah, they'll go on. To the, and this is what we're doing here today. Sure. Right? So when you get go- a boogeyman, though, you're like the yeah. boogeyman or the Muslims. Yeah. Or it's Putin. Well, it was, or- the, it was the Jews back in Germany. Oh, no, they're, they're terrible. They're taking over your society. They're doing this or whatever. Whatever it is that they're feeding to you, right? It's the same thing. But now instead of learning the lesson of history and saying, hey, we were victims. We would never do this to somebody else. I, I was. I, I guess they the Jew, turned the Jews, around and yeah. became the oppressors, and they did it twice fold, fifteen times fold. I mean, they 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 are wiping out a people, you know, through killing and displacement, 
But know? they've got to eliminate Hamas. You don't get it. Right. They've got to eliminate. Right. This will do it too. This will eliminate terrorism, right? Right. 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 It's like this will kill off Hamas. They like, say they've killed about twenty percent so far yeah. of Hamas. I don't know is they're what getting Israel- those numbers because they're not. They're not. Sh- I've watched all the videos from from the uh, from the Palestinian resistance and from Israel. Okay, and Israel showing most of their videos is like shooting at walls. They're like you don't see what the end result is. They're like making huge claims or whatever but you don't see anything like they're not they're not you can see the palestinian victims you can see the dead kids that's all fake right one of my wife's friends at work sweet lady i've met her sweetest lady told my wife that she thought all those videos that my wife shares on instagram of i have palestine yeah it's all fake yeah, I know. I know. It's, it's 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 really fun to put your head in the sand and just believe what somebody else tells you <laughs> instead of opening your eyes and just saying, "Okay, hey, look, these people that I thought were, you know, nice people, you know, they're in the Bible, so they must be good, right?" No. <laughs> they are committing atrocities. They are doing things. They are telling you that they're committing atrocities. They're they're saying it. There's it's okay, so you have your official spokespeople and they're like, "No, nah, nothing's going on. Don't look here, guys. Don't look here." But then you have the leadership openly talking to their own people. And now it's not like we have to figure out what they're saying because it's translated. You can see that on TV. Okay, the spokespeople are saying, oh, no, nothing's going on. And their leadership is saying, we're going to crush them. Every single last one of them. They're all responsible. Even the babies are responsible. You hear people in the government they saying said that, like that the babies are responsible. What did the babies do to in you? In 2006, they voted. Yeah. Those well, I guess if they weren't born until after, then they couldn't have. That's the last election, oh, I think, was two thousand six, right? Gracious, uh, that's the justification. Osama bin Laden's well, look, letter said that he held Americans accountable because they had voted for Bush or whoever. They, 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 they okay. So first of all, <laughs> I see the, the, the no, I the, know the, the, the wheels going they, in your head. They I voted love it. okay. So, uh, so for for the longest time, the PLO, Palestinian Liberation Organization, was the main representation of the Palestinian people. Okay, so Israelis didn't like dealing with them. Okay, so they basically went to try to delegitimize them. There's so many groups in Palestine. It's not one group. It's not one ideology. Okay, it's not like oh this group or that group or whatever. Okay, so but but the groups that are in power are are there for a reason. Okay, so 2006 or whatever around that time frame or whatever, Israel wanted to delegitimize the Palestinian Liberation Organization. They took a random group, okay, that they thought was going to be beneficial to them, which turned out to be Hamas at the time. I think they were like a, a charity type organization or something, is what Hamas was described no, described themselves as. Uh, no, uh, no, no, no. They they were a militant organization before, okay. But 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 they propped them up anyway because they wanted the infighting because they were not getting they didn't get along with the, the PLO, the Palestinian Liberate. They didn't get along. The two groups didn't get along. One was the PLO is more of um, a secular. Uh, uh, government and uh, Hamas is they call themselves an Islamic government okay so not to say that they've done everything perfectly you know in line to that but that's that's what they that's what they claim is is their ideology right so you uh, you have you have these two uh, diametrically opposed groups and, and Israel is taking a cue from everywhere else in the country let's get two groups that hate each other and make them fight because then that's less work for us okay so they put them up against each other and they push this whole notion that no Palestinians have to have an election. They have to have an election. The PLO hasn't, you know, the PLO has been there since the found, since the beginning and they have never had elections and all this type of stuff. They pushed it, right? 
They pushed it. They propped this other group up. They pro- they propped up Hamas. They gave them a ton of money, right? And they uh and and they put them in a position. They then they pushed it, and then they made them fight amongst themselves. And then basically, you know, Palestinians in general, you know, today they're getting more religious, but they weren't so religious back in pre-1948 and they were they're almost uh, they're not all muslim i would say about 10 percent of palestinians are christian okay but the majority are muslim and and they do follow the faith right but to say that you know they weren't if you went to palestine pre-1948 you would think that you were in like england this is how the people dressed they wore suits they were, you know, different types of things. They're they're they were heavily influenced, right, by 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 that. They they were by the West, by the West, yes, by the West, right, um, by the twenty years of rule that Great Britain had over them. They dressed they dressed like that. They they talked like that. They it was dealt headed like that. in that direction. It was it was in that direction to some to some regard, yeah. So, uh, but but anyway, so today people are a lot more conservative, okay, because that happens in time. You know, when you when you get uh, and there's a lot of different reasons. Some people just wake up and they just, you know, they're they're seeking God and they want they want to go back to that. And some people, uh, some people do it out of fear. When you, when you when you are unstable and you're unsure about things, you know, what do you go to? You go to what you can feel confident with or what what you feel security with, you know. And that's going back to God again, right? And so anyway, so Israel put these two groups against each other. Uh, Hamas had a stronghold in in Gaza. Okay, so they they won in Gaza, and the and then the PLO won in the West Bank. Initially, it would have been both places would have been under the PLO. Okay, if they didn't do that. Okay, and uh, so they propped them up. Netanyahu and his government gave Hamas tons of money. Yeah, I've read or seen quotes where Netanyahu said basically he wanted them to stay in power he, because he it, it enables it it makes the two groups against each other you don't have one united palestinian front anymore but 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 i think two. i've heard him saying that uh basically that support prop up hamas get them funding keep them in in power then oh. when we kill the people of gaza well it, they didn't, it's, they it's, didn't it, expect they didn't expect they didn't expect what they got out, out of what they got october they didn't, 7th you mean they well no october 7th people make it like it's like this big huge shocking thing that happened like this well, Israel has gone into Gaza over and over again, killed countless people, demolished homes, done hospitals. They've been in there like 12 times since 1948. I mean, even in the last 10 years, they've been in there like seven or, you know, seven or eight times. Major battles. Like, but those people don't count as humans. Right. They don't count. They don't count. Right. The, the problem is, and they even say like, okay, hey, we left in 2005 and we left you guys to make your own government. I've heard and that this, argument. This garbage. They didn't leave because, you know, they were being charitable. They left because Gaza was a problem for them. It was the, the, the people in Gaza's resistance is a lot more fierce than the people in the West Bank. So technically they can say under in Gaza right now, no military occupation. Uh, that's what they well, say, right? No, I mean, that's what they claim. But okay, They so still control the borders. They control the airspace. They, 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 they left because it was a security headache for them. Okay. They put a huge walls, and I'm not talking about in just certain areas. These are big concrete walls with like turrets and like observation stations all the way around, you know, the whole border of, of Gaza. And they, and they went outside, you know, they have the sea on the other side. They, they blockade the sea as well. So the people of Gaza have no in or out except through Israel. The people of Palestine, anywhere in Palestine, 
the money is controlled by Israel. The, 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 the food is controlled by Israel. Yeah, Palestine doesn't exist, really. There is no Palestine. But, I'm, but if they're, they're saying, oh, they're ruling this, there is no Palestine, Palestinian There's an government. entire economic blockade, I think. It's, so if you try to not, grow it, a business in Gaza, you... It's the equivalent, uh, it's equivalent of letting the prisoners run the prison, uh, letting the inmates run the prison. Hence it's the, not the a government. term open-air Yes, open-air prison. Open air prison. Well, Which I'm I tried not, to, and, and again, it's not just Gaza, right? So it's West Bank too, right? You have the PLO who runs things. Well, they don't really have an authority they have an authority over the palestinians that live there but can they say hey no we don't want the sol- we don't want israeli soldiers in there no israeli soldiers go in they do raids they kill people whatever what do the palestinians do not they can't they're not doing anything and right now the plo is basically a pawn of the israeli government anyway the 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 leader of the plo is just sitting there doing nothing you know just sitting back while israel mows down uh, the population in the west bank Right and does whatever they want. They're what like do you mean by mo- mo- mowing down the population they, in the West they, Bank? What do you they've, mean by that? They've been raiding. It's so, so the conflict right now is not just Gaza. You know, hundreds of Palestinians have died in the West Bank. Israel has has gone in with military, raided houses, destroyed roads. You know, they've destroyed buildings even in the West Bank where where Hamas is not even operating. Right, and the the PLO is just sitting back. Because they're kind of on the dole. They're, they're on kind the pay- of being paid. They're on the Kind of like Egypt and yeah, everyone, they, right? They, well, they'll, they'll come out and say something. So if you interview them, they'll have representatives and they'll, they'll say anti-Israeli things or whatever, but they don't do anything. Kind of like Biden. Right. Well, I don't know. Uh, Biden is saying things. He's, he's basically, he's, he said, oh, who cares about the Arabs? Who cares about this? Has he? Okay. He's not, he's not really exactly peaceful or whatever. But, but yeah. he, I have heard, also heard him say like, oh, because... Biden claims to be left wing and Netanyahu's right wing, and so he'll be like, uh, I mean, Netanyahu's getting carried. Away. Yeah, he's getting carried away. You know yeah. how those right leaning people I'm are trying to hold him back. <laughs> That's pretty much the argument. It's I like, don't know if I can hold him. If we just had a left leaning Israeli uh, prime minister, everything yeah, would no. be better. Well, they've gone back and forth over the years. I mean, the government hasn't changed. Even the, the closest they got was Yitzhak Rabin. Back in 1995, that went, well. that went well. Right? They assassinated him. What? The Israelis did. No, this like, right leaning, okay, basically a, a, yeah. a guy from the Likud, I think. Yeah, yeah. Or someone, or some right leaning Israeli from, yeah, I mean, assassinated was, him right before they were supposedly going to sign a peace deal. It right? wasn't. It wasn't a Palestinian who killed him. Yeah, I it mean, was it, it was an Israeli. I mean, yeah. they they won't allow it. Like they they say, oh well, they turned down the uh, agreement. They turned down Oslo. It's like you didn't offer anything. There's nothing that said Palestinian state will happen. You know what they you, what you want to give people is this. Or what you want to fake offer people with no assurances that will happen is this non-continuous plots of land that that don't attach to each other. That you're not allowed to have a military. You're you're not allowed to you know, airport. Yeah, you can't have an airport. You can't. We have to control. So it's the same as what they have now, basically. We'll just label. Well, that's ninety nine percent of what you've asked right, for. Right. Exactly. What they're saying. Exactly. Why didn't so you sign it? It was ninety nine percent of what you, you asked you tur- for, Sam. I turned it down. You t- I can't believe you turned it down. It's horrible. It was ninety nine percent. I've heard that a lot. Yeah, I know. It's 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 ridiculous. But do you do you acknowledge yeah. the state of Israel exists? Yeah, it exists. Yeah, it exists. It shouldn't. Okay. <laughs> it should not. I mean, they 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 exist because of military power. Yeah. I mean, okay. You, you can't say it doesn't exist. Um. Do I say that they uh, have a legitimacy other than military power? No. No, they don't have a moral, moral right there uh, to be there. I mean, you have, you have a, a government that's largely secular, okay, that say God gave them the land. How does that work? <laughs> you know, you have, you have, you have uh, and, and you have um, 
conservative Jews in the U.S. protesting pro-Palestine. Because conservative because, Jews in the okay, yeah, you've seen those. Uh, I, yeah, seen I've those seen. Ultra, I actually know someone like yeah. That. So you've seen those guys. They've got the uh, you've got the big hats, you know, in New York and the curls and whatever. They're coming out with Palestinian flags. They're saying uh, Israel is an illegitimate state because if you go to the religion, at least this is what they say. This is not what I say. They say Israel biblically should only come about with the Messiah as a miraculous thing, not. Man-made. Man-made, that's right. So that's why they say it's an illegitimate state, as is, and they support Palestinian rights and Palestinian, and they they actually speak openly about the atrocities that the Israelis are committing, and they condemn them. They condemn them openly. And you certainly don't have a problem with those Jewish people. We don't have a problem with Jewish people. We don't have a problem with any Jewish people. Have have you ever had any Jewish friends? Um. Yes, I've had friends that are Jewish. I don't know Jewish friends, friends that are Jewish. Yes, I've had a couple of friends that are Jewish. Am I really close? Do I have any really close Jewish friends currently? No. Okay, fair. No, but yes, I've had Jewish friends in the past. There's far more, that's an interesting topic. There's far more Muslims on planet Earth than there are Jews. Yeah. Yeah. Far more. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, Jews are a minority in every, you know, and a lot of demographic, right? So not just Muslims and Jews. I mean, you're talking about the biggest population versus this one of the smallest population of people right so what's the solution one state solution man no 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 i oh i said what's the solution you said one state one state okay yeah, yeah. freedom for everybody freedom equal for rights everybody. equal for that's yeah. too radical right um, um, but that's the only practical solution right yeah. really I mean, everybody like, gets even, individual rights look nobody wants two state nobody does israel doesn't want two state because they want all of that land right look they can have every land, every piece of land that they want to live on. They can have it. They've had it. They lived there. They just want to call it Israel, which is which even that's fine. And they want control over all of it. And they want everyone who's not Jewish out of it. That's the problem. Even under the, like I said, under the Islamic empire, they had no restrictions on where they wanted to live. They could live anywhere. Do Muslims currently live in the city, like actually in Israel? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But you say that the the Israel Israeli government wants a uh, entirely Jewish state. Yes, so th- it's they the would prefer to get the, the Muslims out of there now. It's not just Muslims; it's Muslims and Christians. But, but a, a huge portion of the Palestinian society, at least ten percent, are Christian. I, I my buddy told me that they're in the yeah, village they, he's from in the West Bank that there's a lot of Catholics there. Yes, yeah, I mean. Yeah, the, who do you think are, are running all the you know all the uh, Christian places of worship in uh, in, uh, in in Bethlehem and in in uh, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre? Who's running that? And a lot of those have been per- preserved, I believe, by Muslims. I think. Yeah, I've, yeah, I, yeah. One of my Actually, buddies was showing me how those have been preserved. The, yeah, so eight, the holy sites have been they're, preserved. They're preserved by the Muslims. There's a lot of big respect. You know, Salah al-Din, when he conquered Jerusalem, took it from the, the Crusaders. Um, there was a dispute amongst Christians over the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. Because you know there's a, a, several different denominations of Christians that, that, that are there. And they all argue with each other. They argue over every bit of, of or inch. And, Hol- and Church of Holy Sepulchre, if you don't already know, that's where they claim that, that Christ was crucified. Okay? So it's, it's holy, basically. So what the solution was, was he, he, uh, he proposed this, and ex- they accepted, was a Muslim family, holds the keys to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, and it's the same family today that held that was all the way back to them, and they come and they open doors in the morning for the Christians. They hold it because they, because they, Christians can't agree on who should hold the keys. 
So yeah, there's no there's no issue between like Christians and and Muslims and and, and Jewish people in terms of religion. It's just a personal thing, you know. It's it's it's, it's people, you know. And and the and yeah. So Jew, it, like I was saying, Jewish Jewish people were living in Islamic lands forever. They didn't have any conflicts. They didn't fight with people. They lived wherever they wanted. They they had they had rights. Um, I don't know if they if you could. Say, I mean, they had to pay the tax that. You've heard the, the jizya tax or whatever that that people pay, then they make a big deal out of that. But I Muslim that. Muslims paid a version of tax called zakat, mm-hmm. okay. And a lot of times that was more expensive than the jizya. But the difference between the jizya and the zakat was if you if you were under the jizya, you don't have to serve in the military. You had you your rights were protected and your property was protected and everything was protected because you were you were living in that land. You were contributing to the government. We pay taxes here. I live in the USA, and we have to pay taxes. That's what it is. You're part of a society. You have to pay to make things function, you know, to for civil society or whatever, at least basic functions or whatever. In some of those old civilizations where they tax certain groups more or less than others, you and I could probably agree that doesn't sound fair. In a perfect world, not, we would, everybody should have less. a... It's, it's, it's not more or less. It, it was amount depending on what the services were that were needed at the time and what you received from it. So, again, I told you in a lot of cases, the Muslims actually paid more mm, okay. than non-Muslims. The, 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 the jizya was actually, in some cases, less than what Muslims would pay. Okay. And, and they so that's, had, that's manipulated for the sake yeah, of talking and, points. And also, yeah, it's very manipulated. And also, you know, even from uh, Umar ibn al-Khattab, the second caliph that I told you about, I mean, he instituted uh, social security he was the first one who, who instituted social security for non-Muslims. He saw he saw a, a Jewish man begging, an old man begging, a, 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 that lived un, under his rule. And he said, "Why are you in the street begging?" Okay, this is history. You can look it up. I'm not making this up. And he said, "Well, I've paid all my life into this, you know, into this tax or whatever, and I have nothing left." And so he 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 took it and he took it at heart. He went back to the treasury and he said, "From now on, everybody who pays into the system." is going to get some kind of payment or some kind of security afterwards. So not just Muslims, <laughs> non-Muslims as well. So there is no, this kind of idea of these people were discriminated, these people were forced to convert, this, blah, blah, this demonization of a people, completely unfounded. This is just one person trying to stir the pot against other people just to keep this conflict kind of going. You know, it, it, but it's but if you actually look at the truth behind it, it's completely unfounded. Samra, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. Um, before we start to wrap up the episode, if someone is interested in learning more about the topic, the Israeli-Palestine conflict, um, do you have any direction to point them into? I know you sent me a YouTube channel which was pretty cool but yeah, if, if someone's I mean, interested i know you're not as much involved in like the podcasting no, world and no. the 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 forms of media that i'm as familiar with yeah you I but mean, doesn't would, mean that you don't know <laughs> certainly no, doesn't mean it. you don't, don't, mean I, you don't, I don't want to get i don't want to give a source because if i give a source then it's going to come off as bias okay? okay and i don't think a source is even necessary look don't go listen to your uh friends about what you should be listening to what you should research just go Google it, man. And I know Google is not the best, like, most in-depth thing. But, sure. like, if you have an open mind and, you're, and you don't have an agenda, okay, and if you just look at the sources and you read a little bit from the source, you may go to a biased source and you may go to a non-biased source. But if you look at enough sources, you're going to be like, okay, I get the general picture here. 
and you're going to get a truthful picture. It's not hard to find every information that I gave you. It's not like it's, it's like hidden somewhere. It's out there in the open. You can find it. You know, just don't listen to other people who are just telling you what to think. You do the research yourself. It's not hard. I promise you it's not hard. You know, look at look at UN charters. You look at look at all the resolutions that have been issued. You know, you can Google all that stuff. Every this is the information age, and unfortunately, in the information age, we have the most ignorant people now, more ignorant people now than they ever were before. That may be true. I don't even know. This type of topic really brings to light for me, where people can be like, "Oh yeah, yeah," and just go along with it seemingly dehumanization of, of a group of people and then yeah. like like uh, if I had a random Republican in here with us right now who goes along with I guess the Zionist pro United States narrative they would say okay Kelly what do you think we should do they still have 200 of our hostages Kelly okay it's all great you like peace whatever <laughs> what do you think we should do about those hostages so you're talking about the hostages in Palestine correct so Okay, so let, let's look at the reason that they took hostages to begin with or, or captives or whatever, right? So again, this is not out of the blue. This is not like something, oh, you know, these guys just for no reason, they came in here and they did this and, and, uh, and we don't know. Oh, we don't know. Just close your eyes. I don't know. It's like, you, you, it's like if you went to the doctor because you had a motorcycle accident, right? And the, doctor, and the doctor doesn't examine you. He just says, your body just must hate you. That's why you're in pain. Like, it's, it's stupidity. Like, let's say the root cause here. Okay, the root cause is, or one of the root causes is, Palestinians are rounded up and they're put in prisons, okay, in Israeli prison camps, and they don't have to be charged with anything. And they'll hold them indefinitely, sometimes years. We have people in my family who, who, who have experienced this. Years without charge, without charge, okay, you can't do anything about it. They'll tease you. They'll be cruel to you. Okay, um, and they'll sometimes they'll release you and then rearrest you later. Okay, and they'll terrorize you. Okay, so there are over five thousand Palestinian political prisoners in Israeli jails right now. Okay, and the only thing in the past that 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 has worked to get these people out is when these groups take soldiers captive. Okay, this is not the first time that 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 you know Gilad Shalit a, a, a few years ago. Over a thousand Palestinian prisoners were released from prison just for that one soldier, and there was years of negotiation for him. And nothing else—you you can't appeal to humanity. You can't appeal to the international community. You can't appeal to the UN. What do you think? Your what tool are you giving people that they can use to be able to 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 be able to basically, uh, you know, uh, get something human from or, or a human reaction from you? So that's, this is what instigated everything that's going on now. You know, the Israelis have no accountability. So this group went in. They launched a huge offensive. They attacked military outposts. Okay, did civilians get caught in the middle of it? Absolutely, they got caught in the middle of it. Was, were they the target? I don't believe so. Can I say definitively no? I mean, I'm not there, okay? But I can say that if you look at the evidence and you look at, you know, don't just look at what Israel is saying, okay? Look at, look at the history. Look at the evidence. Look at who was captive. How many soldiers died in that offensive? Like over 600, okay? Of the 1,200 or of so. Of soldiers. Now, yeah. I mean, either that's an embarrassment to Israel that this small militant group was able to just somehow get out of Iron this. Dome? What? Yeah, you have, you have basically turrets and a, and a wall, and they have surveillance 24-7. Even, either that's a major embarrassment for them. Should, 
you think it is. Or or, or these people have for so many years, you know, planned this and plotted it and, and worked on everything and they were actually achieved the spectacular military achievement. Now, if you're talking about the civilians that were affected, I personally, I think a lot of them were killed by Israel in response to, uh, to trying to get these militants out of there. And there's evidence to that. If you look at the, uh, you know, if you even read the Haaretz or uh, Yedith Arnot or some of the uh, Israeli newspapers that are out there, they'll even admit it. They say, okay, in the early hours, and who knows what the story really is. I don't know if, if, if it's an inside job from Israel or something else. Who knows what the real story is. But they'll admit that Apache helicopters came out to respond. That that musical, music festival, which nobody knew that was going to be scheduled in that particular time frame, that was going on at the time. And the Apaches saw them, and there was bad communication, and they just started shooting at everybody who was moving. Jeez, right? And uh, and and then tanks came out, and they start shelling people's houses because you know they even have this uh, because Israelis have this directive that came from I think 1986 called the Hannibal Directive. I don't know if you ever heard uh, heard well, about it. it. No, I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, so I'm sorry. I kind of diverting here. It's probably some type of a law that says they're allowed to it's, do it's, something. It's not a law. It's basically they they would rather not have captives that they have to negotiate over, soldiers or, or otherwise. So they give. So what happened is because they had captives taken at that time, they had, then they had to go through long negotiations with them to get them released or whatever. They say that any force, use any force necessary to prevent the capture of Jewish soldiers – Okay, Incl- even if it includes possibly killing them. Jeez. Okay, and that was their policy since I believe it was 1986. If you want to Google it, it's the Hannibal Directive. Okay, so they, they, they actually had to, at one point, they had to cancel it or call it off or whatever because the people were just revolting against it. But, they, but you could see they went into full measure on, on October 7th because they, they had the, they, it was so bad that they initially said 2,000 were killed. Then they revised the number to like 1,500, then 1,400. Then, then they said there's so many charred bodies, they couldn't tell the difference between the Hamas people and the, and the Israelis that were, that were killed. Clearly, they killed a lot of their own, okay? And if, if Hamas targeted any, any civilians, obviously, that's, that's condemnable. Nobody should target a civilian, okay? Civilians are going to get caught in between. But again, as, as I told you, if, if, if they're going after soldiers and a civilian comes up and... Again, they're all in, they're they're all from 18 years old conscripted into the army. If they, and they and they're around they're in settlements that are around Gaza, basically designed to contain Gaza. A lot of the families of the soldiers that are there guarding it are living in these settlements. If they pull out weapons and they fight against these people, are they still considered civilians? All this thing that they're talking about rape, this is unfounded. This was a New York Times article that came out that said that they, they were uh, they were militarizing rape to be used against. They don't have time for that. They're, the day of, I remember October seventh. Yeah. That rhetoric was already out there. Oh cutting my babies' God. heads off. Oh yeah, cut, mass rape. Oh my gosh, that was ridiculous. Rape and was a big one. They the mentioned rape, rape a lot. The rape, the forty beheaded babies that nobody had evidence of. Like one guy said he saw it, and then he later on said, oh, "Okay, yeah, I guess yeah, I did. yeah, yeah." Even the rape thing. Even the families of the people who uh, the. First of all, there's no witnesses. There's no victims for this rape thing. No one said that they were raped. There's no, there's no there's no family of a victim that says oh yeah this this person was raped nobody where, where is the evidence they the Israelis say oh we have the evidence we, we showed these videos to people how come they have to show the videos behind closed doors 
I haven't seen any of those videos. But, have but you? They, is there any type of videos? There's, no, I, there's nothing that I know of. They say that they've showed some, you know, like when Elon Musk went there or whatever, and they said, oh, we, we showed them something behind the scenes or whatever. He was with Ben Shapiro, so I assume uh, right. it was all on the up and up. <laughs> right, right. So, like, I, I don't know. Like, that if, if you think they actually had some evidence, they would hide it. No, they, it, it helps them. They would, they would put it out there. But, no, they just make up these things. People just run with it, right? Look, these pe- the, the people in, in Gaza, their, their goal, and again, I don't have an insight to this, but you can see it. You can see it by just looking at what happens. Their goal was to go out and capture as many uh, people as they can so that they can trade for Palestinian prisoners. Sure. Okay. That was their goal. So when that, I asked about the prisoners, you were like, okay, let me tell you about yeah, that. That's yeah. actually what it's about. It, that's exactly what it's about. And if you look at the treatment of the prisoners under their care versus the prisoners in Israeli prison. Oh, God. It's night and day. The, the, the Israelis coming out of, of Gaza now are praising Hamas. Show me one that's not. Show me one that's in the news. One that's not. They're, they're saying they gave us everything that they had. They treated us. They, we were, they said they, we were more afraid of Israel killing us. Well, the, with good reason, probably. With bombing, or are our people killing us? So they were somewhere in um, Gaza at this time while they were being they held They were in hostage. houses, different places. Here. They, we were more afraid of getting killed by Israel than we were afraid of, of these guys killing us. And they're, they're like hugging them, giving kisses or whatever. Meanwhile, kids are coming out with broken arms. Women are coming out actually being raped from Israeli prisons. Uh, people are losing. No, their- no, that only happens oh in one way. Yeah, the Palestinians exactly. are the rapists. Right, exactly. That, not Israelis ever. Every every accusation that Israel makes is an admission to a crime that they've done to a Palestinian. Mm. This is what this is what it is. Okay, there's Palestinians that come out. They've been in solitary confinement for so long, have not mm. been accused of anything, and they come out with mental issues. They can't even barely talk. Okay, this 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 this, this is ridiculously unhuman and look remember those three guys that came out that that tried to be uh that tried to run to their soldiers in gaza that had no weapons they had they were basically stripped themselves down to nothing waving a white flag yelling in hebrew to the soldiers that were captives help us help us and what happened they shot them they shot them dead all three of them and that was that made huge news and it was an uproar this was recent this was during this conflict they don't. They really the, the the government Netanyahu doesn't want those guys to be released. He 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 would rather just kill them all than have to deal with it. Samer, I I really appreciate you coming on the show today. Hopefully, we covered. I know it's random. Yeah. My I'm very ADD, so yeah, my no interview problem. style is like, well, I remember this, and then oh, let's go in this direction, and then this direction. Yeah. Um, I, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. Um. Do you have any closing words of wisdom? Yeah, just um, don't believe what you hear, but you can believe what you see. Hmm. Okay. Thank you very much for coming on. I also want to thank everyone for tuning in. Of course, we will have another episode of the Kelly Patrick Show out soon. Thank you.